0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
1: It's a free for all edition, Flyover Politics podcast.
2: While a local doctor says he will surrender his medical license and stop seeing patients after the state medical board accused him of negligence and unprofessional conduct.
3: NBC Seven investigates. Ashley Matthews is here to explain why allegations of Bad medical care are not the only problem for this doctor, Ashley.
0: Artie and Catherine. According to the Medical Board of California, Robert Santella overprescribed narcotics to at least six patients and botched a medical procedure on another patient. The board also says Santella's aggressive and outrageous behavior outside an abortion clinic put his career in jeopardy.
4: Right there, the scissors comes out right there from his pocket. From his right hand.
0: Zephaniah Mel is narrating video he recorded while protesting outside the Family Planning Associates Clinic on Miramar Road last year.
5: See that? See the scissors right there?
0: You can see and hear Dr. Robert Santella responding to to Mel's demand that he stop performing abortions.
5: Why?
4: Because it's a sin before God. (sighs) Why? Wow. (sighs) Stinky breath.
0: In this accusation (sighs) against Santella, the medical board says his, quote, outrageous conduct and physically threatening gestures, violated his profession's ethical code and demonstrates Antella is unfit to practice medicine. Yeah.
6: Ah.
4: Well, that's what you do to babies, huh?
0: Yeah. I love it.
4: Absolutely. He's unfit.
6: Absolutely.
0: Mel told medical board investigators the doctor put his safety at risk by confronting him so close to the railing, on the edge of the second story while aggressively holding a pair of surgical scissors. But it
7: was very
4: close to the top of my chest, if not my neck. Uh, It was a very intense confrontation.
0: Santella declined a request for an on-camera interview. In a brief phone conversation, Santella told NBC7 Investigates he lost his composure that day and regrets his behavior.
8: He probably... Let his emotions and his strong feelings for what he's doing get the best of him for a few moments.
0: Santella's attorney, Bob Frank, says the doctor is protecting and honoring women's rights by providing legal abortion services. He says his client is deeply hurt when protesters denounce him as a murderer and baby killer. Frank also says nothing in the video supports Mel's claim that Santella threatened him with surgical scissors.
9: In fact, I didn't even see any scissors up against the fellow from what I watched on the video in any type of attack or threatening manner. I
0: that love field. it, I love it.
9: Yeah, keep tearing the babies Yeah, apart. I will.
4: Still,
0: keep Santella says he will not challenge the accusation in state court and will surrender his medical license and retire in December.
8: Those battles with the board are long and hard and they're very expensive.
0: Santella's attorney also disputes the medical board's allegation his client improperly prescribed narcotics and endangered a patient's life by mismanaging an abortion. The latest accusation is Santella's third run-in with the medical board. In 1983, board documents show he was placed on five years probation for gross negligence and incompetence, and in 2000, he agreed to a four-year probation term for failing to maintain adequate medical records. Ashley Matthews, NBC7, investigates. Um, a,
7: a product of this sensationalized uh, media, you know, you, you have these sound bites and you have these words and, and everybody says it with yeah. such an in, you yeah. know, intensity and so it must mean, it must hold yeah. a bigger it, meaning. It sounds strange you know, and weird. And, so. um, I remember um, when I was in college, I took uh, a terrorism class and is that a such thing? Yeah, there was. So you there go. Was, a,
10: there is a lab for
7: that. There was. A, there was a class that you. <laughs> do you go to a lab? No, we, out we, field we, trip we, in, we learned uh, the, the ideology of. I'm glad um, you do that. <laughs> and so it was. It was the the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the 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 professor said Al Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders <laughs> oh. went up and you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al Qaeda, you know, hospital He's an expert. <laughs> And it was, you know, What's as his,
6: in, name? As, what his we,
7: name, we on are not, not
1: saying his name. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 13th of February, year of our Lord, 2019. I went a day early because I definitely have enough material. That intro is, of course, what I promised for the last podcast, which was just PPFA. Doctor, hmm Doctor. He resigned. As we're about to see, he resigned his position. Well, I guess I didn't grab the article. He he just had to resign. That video went viral. He resigned. But it's an interesting thing. And I'll talk about it in two seconds. I just want to talk about what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. It's a free-for-all. Yeah, we're for all We're going to go over the anti-Semite blackface section, which, of course, was the second part of that intro Soundbite. Yeah, we just got a shitload of bad people that are Democrats right now. More on the Green Deal, our 2020 candidate section and a bias section to news and social media nugget. So, I, unfortunately, uh, Windows has changed. Anybody's got Windows? You're getting all these updates lately. So, I am a big guy on disk cleanup. I use it a lot. I don't know why I do it. I don't know if it helps me. Um, Norton has a cleanup file, but I use the Windows one every time I finish to get all the temporary files and all the bullshit that's on your computer. Well, they changed what is included, and unfortunately, it includes downloads, which is where I hold all my files, like my bumpers and everything. And if I wasn't a geek and backed up, I would have lost every bumper I use on the show. I lost a bunch of reused sound bites instead of having to search them up if it ever comes back. And, I, I, you know, another podcast I need to go. Do you remember this? Yeah, it all went bye-bye because that's now part of the disc cleanup. I didn't see it. You can click the box or not click the box, and it'll delete everything in your download file. Well, it all went bye-bye. So I had to go find this PPFA Soundbite, because I promised I'd start the show with it, every search I did on Google was along these lines. The history of pro-life violence. Google stacked nothing but lefty PPFA articles about shit that happened in the 70s, shit that happened overseas. Uh, trying to clink in that last shooting that was a guy who was disgruntled that worked at the clinic, totally different, but they used it as always oh, a pro-life attack. Um, Yeah, the bias is real, my friends. The bias is real. So that soundbite, of course, was Omar. And we're going to go with AG conservative. I think he did the best, best job of all of this. Back in 2012, Omar tweeted this blatantly anti-Semitic trope suggesting Israel was hypnotized the world. She spent several years defending the tweet. It was only this year that she apologized for it. Ilian Omar, drawing attention to the apartheid Israel, Israel regime and far from hating Jews, you are a hateful, sad man. I pray to Allah you get the help you need and find happiness. As a side note, Omar faced several other scandals before the election, including misuse of public funds. And possible immigration scheme involving marrying her alleged brother. There's articles all over the internet. I'm not touching it because, you know, uh, it reminds me of Obama's a Muslim, so I'm not really touching it. But there's all sorts of articles. The school records show that they were brothers and sisters and then she married them. Um, In the article, Star Tribune, on the edge of making history, Ilhan Omar confronts a fresh wave of scrutiny as she campaigns for U.S. House. Omar is defending herself against a handful of recurrent controversies, including her marriage and immigration history. He continues, in 2013, Omar gave interview to a man who called Israel the Jewish Jewish ISIS and compared terrorist group Hamas to Holocaust victims. In that interview, Omar compared the U.S. military military to Al-Qaeda. That was the soundbite I played. I listened to the whole 30 minutes. It could be a show by itself. It's public access TV. This guy and her are really fucked up. Just really fucked up. I mean, they are, when I say they are, Islamists. That's what they are. Her and Talib are PLO Islamist. That's their shtick. And because of our immigration thing and all these people pile into fucking Michigan and Minnesota, these enclaves have elected this person. It's kind of like the Rajneesh Puram back in the 70s in Oregon. If you get enough fucking wackos in one place, anybody can get elected. Article Democratic Minnesota Representative Ilan Omar gave multiple interviews to fringe Arab American television host Ahmad Thorwad, who called Israel the Jewish ISIS and compared terrorist group Hamas to Holocaust victims. Omar blamed our involvement in other people's affair for terrorism in 23 interview with Thorwat When we are going to decide or realize that terrorism is a reaction, it's an ideology, it's a means of a thing, it's not an entity, it's not a place, people, it's reaction to a situation. Tharwat said in an interview with Fox News on Covered Monday, Yes, what you're insinuating is what nobody wants to face, Omar replied. Nobody wants to face how the actions of other people that are involved in the world have contributed to the rise of radicalization and the rise of terrorist acts. Usually most people want to look internal and see what are their actions. That makes another react. For us, it's always I action of our involvement in other people's affairs, she added. Omar's comments came weeks after Somali terrorist group Al Shabaab killed 67 people in a 2013 attack on Kenya. Understand, I listened to it. That's not bullshit, liberals. That's what she said. Jewish ISIS. US Army is ISIS. We're the ones. It's us. This Tharwak guy. Jewish ISIS getting God in the real estate business off a Time article. Zionism is terrorism, Tharwat wrote in one tweet that described Israeli soldiers as a Jewish child ban. Now, left keeps saying, and the media keeps saying, as we say, literally protecting these people. Because they think like this. That's the problem. It's not that this is some right-wing conspiracy. We just don't like the lady in the hijab. No, this is what you think. This is how you operate. This is the platform. Remember, at the convention, they booed the movement of the Israeli capital. They booed it, folks. They are extremists. They align more with Islamists, and America sucks. Thus, they want to redo America. And most of the time, this is when I'm pulling out the, well, all Republicans are held accountable for David Duke, but we're going to see in a second, David Duke agrees with her. The media doesn't even touch it. This is the perfect hypocrisy bias thing I could ever present to you. The show our media is just fucking hot garbage. uh, uh 520,000 people displaced. Obama should start bombing the Jewish state. An anti-Semitic person these days is not someone who hates the Jew. It's someone who hated by the Jews. BBC for the second night is raw. Having a program about Jews suffering. The Daily Caller broke this down. I'm not going to go into everything this Thorwatt guy said. But he is Farrakhan. And you can get away with that. AG Conservative continues, in her inauguration, Omar celebrated with Women's March leader Linda Sossar, who was facing her own scandal due to a long record of anti-Semitic comics. Harry Kachakatron, Ilian Omar, first day in office, selfies of the woman who said Ayan Hersi Ali's victim of gentile amuletization vagina should be taken away and feminist is incompatible with Zionism. Okay. After being elected, Omar came out as a supporter of BDS. We've already played it. Again, there's an easy test to differentiate between legitimate criticism of the Israeli government and anti-Semitism. It's called the 3D test and was used by the State Department in 2017. Uh, Seems also worth noting for this thread that Omar supported sanctions for the Jewish state but opposed them for Maduro's regime in Venezuela. She also shared extensive propaganda on behalf of that regime a great point here regarding Omar's support of the BDS movement Omar supported sanctions on Israel alleged due to the action of the government but fiercely opposed them against a much worse regime in Venezuela if only there was a world for holding three for excuse me for holding Jews to a different standard in late January Omar argued Israel cannot be considered a democracy because it's a Jewish state and compared it to Iran ignoring that non-Jewish citizens in Israel have equal rights and plenty of democratic countries have state religions uh, and somehow the Jewish state is the only one that Iman Arma, uh, Omar targets for attacks and supports boycott against. Must just be a coincidence. Now, after news came out that the GOP wanted Dems to speak out about this pattern, Omar replied by using another anti-Semitic trope, suggesting Republicans were bought off by IPAC. That's what started all this shit. Um Omar suggests Republicans only support Israel and oppose anti-Semitism because they're being brought, bought by Jews. Great great way to prove GOP leaders' point. It's all a plot by the Jews or Republicans. This woman is nutty, seriously. Combined with Talib's record and other associations, it's fairly clear that Dem House caucus has a problem with anti-Semitism that is mostly being ignored. In Amar's case, it seems especially important since House Democrats chose to put her on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Freshman Max Rose, in another article, said Sunday that his colleague Omar's tweet suggesting that pro-Israel lobbying group was buying off lawmakers was deeply hurtful to the Jews, including himself. When someone uses hateful and offensive tropes and words against people of any faith, I will not be silent. Congresswoman Omar's statement are deeply hurtful to Jews, including myself, implying that America support Israel because of money alone is offensive enough. But go a step further and retweet someone Declaring their pain at our sentiment is truly unacceptable. At a time when anti-Semitic attacks are on the rise, our leaders should not be invoking hurtful stereotypes and characters of Jewish people to dismiss those who support Israel. CNN Politics. Freshman Democratic Representative Elia Moore says, "Exciting." Her controversial, uh, is, says It's exciting. Her controversial view on Israel are sparking a debate. This is how she replied to all of it. This is their article because, therefore, BDS. Freshman Democratic Omar, Minnesota, is defending her controversial views on Israel as they come under scrutiny in Washington tells CNN that it's not surprising her positions are generating attention and she finds it exciting to be sparking a break. It's not surprising. I think it's actually exciting because we are finally able to have a conversation that we weren't really willing to do, Omar told CNN. It is really important for us to get a different lens about what peace in the region could look like and the kind of difficult conversations we need to have about allies. The next part was what most of the media did. In her first month of Congress, Republicans have been quick to re- criticize Omar, a Somali immigrant who came to the U.S. as a refugee more than two decades ago over a statement she made regarding Israel. Prasheep J. Shakar, M.D., Next, stay tuned for exciting new views from Farrakhan and David Duke. It's true. Fusilic Spock, controversial views on Israel, sparking debate. Is that what we're calling rank anti-Semitism and earned backlash now, CNN? Doug Powers, another one from CNN. As they challenge the political status quo over Israel and Washington, Omar and Talib are facing intense scrutiny and criticism, in particular from Republicans eager to exploit divisions in the Democratic Party. Doug Powers, Republicans pounce. Republicans pounce. It's always pounce. It's never, they did something wrong. Yeah, Betty uh, I.S. Sargon, please learn how to talk about Jews as a non-anti-Semitic way, sincerely, American Jews. Chelsea Clinton, co-signed as an American, we should expect all elected public officials, regardless of party and all public figures, to not traffic in anti-Semitism. She was attacked, mercilessly, by everybody. By the end, she buckled and said, oh yeah, we'll get together and we'll talk. Nancy Pelosi put out a whole statement. She's not being censured. She's not getting in trouble. Aaron Blank goes, oh, yeah, Pelosi took care of it. It's, we're going to take care of it. And uh, Omar's reply, listen and learning, but standing strong. That all said, APAC is still a problem, Stephen Miller says. Ben Shapiro, oh, I'm glad that your anti-Semitic House Foreign Affairs Committee members decided to combat anti-Semitism in all its form. You know, the one form would be resigning. Another form, you dumping her from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Recall that at least the Republicans pulled Steve King's committee assignments. You jackals are promoting an open anti-Semite in the most cynical fashion. And he's right. And to make matters worse, Nikki Haley put out about it. This is wrong. And David Duke. So let's get this straight. It is anti-Semitism to point out that the most powerful political money bags in American politics are Zionists who put another nation's is- interest, Israel, over that of America. Remember, we just went through this. That's what they were saying. Yeah. AOC. Unlike this president, Omar demonstrated a capability to acknowledge pain and apologize. Use the opportunity to learn about a history of anti-Semitism. Grow from it while clarifying her stance. I'm also inspired by Jewish leadership who brought her in. Not pushed her out to heal. Retweet an article by an extremist anti Semist. Lots of people are proclaiming to be woke, trying to police communities, and what they are aren't allowed to be upset by. But I'm proud Omar raised the issue of lobbyists and politics and equally proud of her sensitivity communities. Both are possible. Understand. At no time has anybody brought up IPAC, maybe contributes 3.5. I think we found that uh, the NRA is around 15 million and Planned Parenthood's untold amount of money. At the minimum, the tracking's 50 million a cycle. 50 million a cycle. But yeah. Those other lobbying groups, we got to get rid of them. While the biggest abortion provider on the planet just hands cash off left and right. A HuffPost senior reporter. So are we just not allowed to talk about how Israeli lobbyists have a hold on the GOP? Just the GOP. Hmm. Yeah. Lee Zeldin grabbed her. Talked bad about her. Don't mind him, he's just waking up to reality of having a Muslim woman as a colleague who know, who now, who, who know how to stand up to bullies. It's going to be fun watching him lose his marbles. Yeah. 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 That's okay. You can, you can say whatever you want and the media is not, the media will not hold her to stand her. But Steve King went for a week because he said something that wasn't even that critical of white supremacist or white whatever. I don't even know what he said. But he was supposed to be fired for it. This is like number 900 on this lady. Valerie Jarrett supporter, shake him up, is what she said. Los Angeles Times. People are leaving supportive post-it notes outside in on Omar's office. The plaque outside Omar's office is covered with well-wishing posts and notes left over time. One woman just stopped by and left the following note, which reads, Criticizing countries which abuse human rights as the right thing to do will never be anti-Semitic. David Weigel from WAPO. In my opinion, the biggest gaffe in the Green Deal is Blop and then Omar saying what needed to be said. And he tries to defend both these idiots in one tweet. Linda Sossauer. IPAC is one of the most influential lobbies in American politics alongside the NRA. APAC is lobbying, or IPAC, whatever, A-I-P-A-C, is a lobbying organization. Here's the definition of lobbying for the dictionary. We have to do dismantle forms of racism, including anti-Semitism. We do, not, we do that under the leadership of Jewish allies. Absolutely outrageous. blah, blah. Blah. Kevin McCarthy is a piece of shit. Grateful for the the voices of reason and courage in the Jewish American community for speaking out. Thank you for those standing with Congressman Omar. Blah, 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 blah. Ashley Ray Goldberg. Someone asked uh, Linda Sasa if Jews are on the wrong side of history since even left-wing Jews condemn Omar. Yeah, they're on the wrong side. Tamika Mallory, huge screen, I can't sit back and watch a black woman and watch the attack. I'm sick and tired of watching black and brown, black, brown, brown, black, black, white people bad. CNN CNN hosts compare Omar anti-Semitic tweets to McCarthy criticizing Soros. I'm not going to read the article, I'll just tell you. Soros is a bad dude. Most of the world knows he's a bad dude. Not CNN. They're saying it's anti-Semitic to criticize Soros because he was Jewish once. Yeah. Hmm. And they did nothing to... I'm I'm getting to the sound bites. nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Jewish Action Community, a left leaning group, they support her. Chris Martin, don't look now, but moments after apologizing for anti-Semitic remarks, Representative Omar retweeted a statement saying she did nothing wrong. This is beyond parody. And she was allowed to by our complicit media.
11: Charlie, Dan, I'm curious if you think the Republican Party has been sufficiently vigilant in policing bigotry within its own ranks, whether you're talking about Steve King. My colleague Jake Tapper brought up that Kevin McCarthy... Uh, weeks ago, in the midst of the wall debate, talked about uh, uh, what many took as an anti-Semitic comment, accusing George Soros of funding the caravan. Uh, Has your party uh, been sufficiently vigilant here, calling out its own bad uh, behaviors and comments?
12: Omar is one of the first Muslim women elected to Congress. We're going to Washington! Part of the history-making group of women elected in 2018. High profile enough to be parodied on Saturday Night Live. I'm a proud Muslim woman and proud American. And when Ted Cruz sees me, he crosses the street. She also supports a movement to boycott Israel, which was criticized last week by Republican leader Kevin McCarthy.
9: This cannot sustain itself. It's unacceptable in this country.
4: Casey, just mentioned Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader. He also has come under fire for a tweet of his own, right? Savannah, that's right. Uh, he
13: had accused Jewish financier George Soros of trying to buy the election back in 2018. But he did quickly delete that tweet after criticism.
14: The new political headline this morning reads, superstar freshman Dems replace Pelosi as GOP targets. It goes on to point out the strategy risks backlash for a party that's struggling to attract support from women and people of color. And in addition to grabbing uh, Trapping the spotlight, they've also created some headaches for leadership as well. The idea that the Republicans
15: would use three women. Is just not a great look for them three younger women is not a great look for them but I think we have to bear in mind that historically there have always been so-called or real left-wing boogie men now women uh, for Republicans I don't think it works very well and I think the risks they run with these particular members young and female
14: yeah. are very very high for them you two point out uh, you make an excellent point that while uh, these foils may not necessarily Necessarily resonate with average voters. They are quite effective in helping both parties raise funds. Jennifer Rubin, in your piece, you, you point out the Democrats' ability to rebuke one of their own following uh, Congresswoman Omar's uh, the, the tweet. You mentioned Speaker Pelosi's hammer coming down with a statement on behalf of the entire House leadership, which actually led to Congresswoman Omar's apology, as we understand it. Do you get the sense that that Dems are better at handling this kind of stuff than Republicans? Or do you get the sense that both parties' leadership, uh, they've become quite astute at this sort of thing?
16: I actually think the Democrats are much, much better and much quicker to do it. And it's for a very simple reason. Uh, Republicans, um, both in their... Makeup in Congress and in their constituency have become the party of white, um, mostly male, um, in a good, uh, many senses, um, southern party. Um, they are the inheritors, if you will, of the, uh, people who used to be Dixiecrats in the South. And the Democrats, as you see from this amazing diversity in Congress, are a much more, uh, far-reaching party.
1: Just straight up garbage. I mean, David Duke got on board, and nobody's being asked, what about David Duke? I mean, seriously. And it's just not her. Quick thread from AG Conservative about Talib. So let's talk about this tweet, whether accusations against Talib are just right-wing propaganda. Right-wing media targeting me again rather than focusing on the president's reckless government shutdown. Yes, I'm Muslim, Palestinian, get over it. Focus on the human impact of this disaster. During the campaign, Talib claimed to support a two-state solution, only to then turn around and admit to only supporting a one-state after she won the primary that led to even far-left J Street withdrawing their support. After she was elected, the map, Palestine, covering up Israel. Talib also refused to answer questions as to whether she supports the PA, which pays terrorists and their families to kill Israeli civilians, or even whether she supports Hamas, the government in Gaza, which governs Gaza, has killed Americans in his designated terror group. When former CNN contributor Mark Lamont Hill got in trouble for using the Hamas slogan, Free Palestine from the river to the sea, and advocating for terrorists against Israel, Talib posted a petition defending him. Talib publicly endorsed the anti-Semitic BDS movement. She has not supported a boycott for any other country, including the PLO terrorist being led by pro-terrorist government. Explanation for why BDS is anti-Semitic. He listens to EK Computed. You're just confused, you don't understand it. Let me explain this for people who are slow. It is perfectly legitimate to criticize any country. However, when you try to ostracize and hold the only Jewish country on earth so far different standard than every other country, the reason becomes fairly obvious. Talib celebrated her inauguration of Congress with a far-left activist and women's co-chair, Linda Sosser. Well, then last week, Talib sent a blatantly anti-Semitic tweet using the classic dual loyalty accusation to attack supporters of the bipartisan anti-BDS bill in Congress. Even the ADL was forced to call her out. Finally, this week, it was discovered Talib invited a blatantly anti-Semitic Hezbollah and Hamas supporter to a private family dinner. You might be able to argue one or a few of these in, in, isn't sufficient enough evidence, but combined it with present damning pictures of anti-Semitic tendencies and associations, you don't need to be right-wing to recognize the reality. Most damning, this excessive record has received almost no coverage from the mainstream media and no comment from DEN leadership of Congress. If you search for the last story, I mentioned almost all the links are either for conservative or Jewish news. Jewish groups condemned Shil leave over ties to radical pro terrorist groups Tlaib photographed with pro Hezbollah I'll keep adding to the thread until our esteemed media actually decides to ask Tlaib and her colleagues about their record here's another association Tlaib has with an anti-Semitic pro-terrorist activist Dina was a speaker at CARE reception this Open Elmas supporter was photographed with Rashid Tlaib at her inauguration two weeks ago yeah Peter J. Hassan has done an article where Rashid Tlaib's ties to anti-Semitism runs deeper than previously known. Yeah. Representative, this broke yesterday. Representative Rashid Talib wrote for Louis Farrakhan's publication in 2006. And her articles. Talib spokesman to me on writing for Farrakhan. The piece was from 2006. It was not endorsement of Farrakhan or anyone for the matter. The C- congresswoman has not had any directed contact with Farrakhan and condemns his anti-Semitism and anti-LGBTQ views. Business Insider. Tlaib of Michigan published a column in 2006 on the final call, an online publication founded and maintained by Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. First unearthed by conservative blogger Gerald Byer, Tlaib penned a column titled, Bills Must Stop Deportation for Minor Offenses, which takes offense, takes issue with deportation of minors, a of minor offenses. A spokeswoman for Tlaib did not respond to multiple requests for comments. Yeah. It's okay. Abbas Hamadin, Israel does not have a right to exist. The terrorist entity is illegal and has no basis to exist other than delusion ISIS-like ideology. That's one of her friends. Democratic representative calls for reparation for migrant kids separate from families at the border. This is Pramila Jayapal. She wants reparations. I'm proud of my passion, Mr. Whitaker. We all should show real passion, real commitment to fixing what done to these families and these children. This is the latest trauma for thousands of children. Blah, 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 blah. And this week, security forces apprehend Palestinian suspect to murdering Israeli teen. I bet of you. Search real hard. There's a sixth degree to separation between Sasar, Tlaib, and Omar. And Mallory. Remember, they hate the Jews. They're the Women's March. So how did Politico handle it? The Republican Party has a new trio of Democratic villains, Tlaib Omar and Alexander-Claire Cortez. Hours after an apology, Ilhan Omar retweeted thread denouncing Pelosi, pushing Jewish money claims. Just hours after apologizing for making comments, deemed anti-Semitic, Omar retweeted a thread of defending her claim that campaign contribution from APAC by support for group positions... Miss Omar praised the writer, Andy Barkin, who told of beginning a staffer's long-shot congressional campaign in 2006 when the candidate agreed to be, uh, agreed to take stances on two issues in exchange for a maximum contribution by APAC. Your courage can't be matched. I am often in tears thinking about how you won't be with us in the fight and how I'm going to miss your presence of courage and solidarity my friend and solidarity, Mrs. Omar wrote. 2006. It was first real staffer on a long shot Democratic congressional race in deep red Ohio. My boss was a hippie doctor with lefty perspective on international affairs. Under pressure from Democratic leader Ms. Omar, earlier in the day, apologized. Blah 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 blah. And it goes on to say she basically doesn't give a fuck, and they're just fucking with her because poor her, poor her. Andy Barker, this extremist, has a thread. Of how APAC is the devil, because money, money. What the fuck? What the fuck? Fuck. The media is just hot garbage on this. I mean, CNN and NBC. All they did was blame Republicans. Do you know how this would play if it was, she was on the other foot? I mean, they've had third cousins were KKK members, criticism. Yet the Democrats had actual grand wizards in the Senate. This is hot garbage. Just hot garbage. But it it is what it is anybody who goes on Twitter any conservative person like myself who does a podcast Omar and Talib have been on it because they're extremists they're Islamists they want the destruction of Israel they hate America and Democrats elect them Democrats elect them this is this is who they elect extremists it it's Jesus Christ. So here's a soundbite on to believe, and, you know, it's good to be a dem. You can be an anti-Semite, you can be an Islamist, and you can wear blackface, because we're still dick dancing in Virginia. So two soundbites back to back.
12: As a person that was born to Palestinian immigrant parents, as my living grandmother, my only living grandmother now lives in the West Bank. Of Palestine, it is so important that we really give a voice to those that haven't been heard, haven't been at the table. With all the different conflicts that you hear and different kinds of policies that you hear, you don't actually see the human side. The BDS movement is economic boycott. Let's look at the equality issues, let's look at poverty, and let's look at access to quality of life issues like education, clean water, freedom of travel, all of those things that I think are directly impacting Palestinians that live there. Many of the Palestinian families and children and all those folks are not at the table when these discussions happen about how various policies by both Israel and even maybe the leadership in Palestine, how it impacts their lives on an everyday basis. My grandmother in front of her home is a checkpoint that she has to endure when she's going to the doctors. I really want to be able to humanize this issue and I really want to be able to give them a voice. I also, you know, have reached out to many people that are, you know, dual citizens, Israeli citizens and and said, you know, you want to be part of this to have this kind of dialogue and conversation about, uh, again, the humanity around this issue. For me, when this bill or this issue comes up, it's a form of speech. It is a First Amendment protection that we all have to make sure that we protect, and even if it's the issue around divesting Israel, even Saudi Arabia or any other country that we disagree in their policies, we have every right as American citizens to do that. I don't ever want to criminalize anyone for speaking up. It takes a lot of courage to speak up when we see injustice, and is one of our core values of who we are as Americans to say, look, we want to economically boycott uh, a certain country because of their issues. And many of these people are young people, young people that really believe in economic boycotts, and I don't ever want us in Congress to create the slippery slope of criminalizing such actions. I uplift them and want them to be able to express themselves any way they can.
17: Uh, Attorney General Herring, who you just brought up, also uh, admitted to having worn blackface at one point. If he resigns, the next in line is a Republican. Cynics would look at this and say the calculus to not be as harsh on the attorney general is influenced by that.
11: Yeah, but I don't think that's actually true. There are are cynics that say this is about the next election, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's much more about values. Um, We would move from a a progressive, very strong attorney general to someone who's not just a Republican, but someone who's on the arch-conservative end of it. So the way our laws would be administrated in Virginia would be completely different. This isn't about party politics as much as it is about the kind of Virginia that we want.
18: back in 2004, Fairfax vehemently denies both of those allegations.
19: All right. Uh, joining us to talk about what's happening there in Virginia is the founder and president of the National Black Farmers Association, John Boyd Jr. Uh, good to have you with us, sir. Thank you. So you recently Victor, thank you for having me this morning. Uh, good to have you. So, so you recently met with Governor Northam, uh, and you tweeted this out. I just concluded a great meeting with uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. I pledged my support and urged him not to step down. Hashtag Redemption. So, uh, tell us about the meeting yes. and why you think he should stay in office.
10: Well, the meeting was a very productive meeting and first of all, uh, we prayed together. Uh, I prayed for Virginia, I prayed for the governor and his family and the governor uh, apologized. He was sin- sincere about his apology and I looked him in the eye and uh, he asked for forgiveness and I believe in the power of uh, redemption. And in Virginia, you see people so quick to condemn one another <clears throat> and I believe that uh, Democrats need to start working together and come on one accord, us. A whole lot of them are going to be looking for new jobs on their new election cycle. Uh, but the governor was very, very sincere. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in the power of redemption and uh, forgiveness. And, uh, you know, let he who cast the first stone be without sin. Uh, that's nobody. So nobody is perfect. And uh, I believe that the governor wants to govern Virginia in the right direction. And he reached out to me, Victor, during the government shutdown. So, and I can say that other, other other people didn't reach out to me to see how he could help African American farmers and uh, the state of Virginia. So understood. Understood. That's how the meeting came about.
19: You you also told a local station that, and this is a quote here: "If we're not careful, we'll have another party governing Virginia that's far less sensitive than Democrats mm-hmm. to minorities and blacks." Close quote. There. So is this primarily about keeping Republicans out? Because yes, he he can apologize and be sincere about that apology, but there are mm-hmm. consequences yes. that that several Democrats have called for. Um, so is this primarily about keeping that in the governor's office there in Democratic hands?
10: Well, I do believe that, uh, first of all, people need to start working together. Uh, in this country, Victor, we're so politically divided. Uh, you know, here we have the president of the United States who said he says he's a nationalist. So I think there's a big difference between the governor of Virginia and President Trump or someone, a, a modern-day racist like Steve King who manages to keep his job. Uh, there was no outrage for Steve King to step down or where's the uh, uh, impeachment articles of impeachment from Congress to impeach this president that says something racist every single day. we every time he says the word wall.
19: have, have that yes. conversation with uh, our, our partisans in the next uh, segment right after this. But let me ask you this. If, if, yes. if you're... Uh, decision is based not solely but in large part on keeping the seat in Democratic hands how does that inform your opinion on the future of the Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax? Should he also stay?
10: Well well, first of all my decision was based on my conversation uh, that I had yesterday with the Governor, face a face to face meeting and we had a very candid talk about blackface and uh, also people who are watching this, uh, other leaders uh, clergy, they should be and the churches tomorrow talking about blackface and race, and if people think that blackface is just in Virginia, they're totally wrong. that this is a national issue. Uh, it just unfolded and played out here in, in the state of Virginia. So, let me ask but you blackface let me bring you back
19: is a national issue. To the question here: do you believe that yes. uh, the lieutenant governor who's now been accused twice of sexual assault, that he should stay in office, or do you believe that he should
10: uh, heed the calls for him to, to resign as well? Well, Victor, I have not spoken to the lieutenant governor, Hmm. but uh, I'm sure open to to talk to him. I'm open to talking to the attorney general. And I believe that through those kinds of communication, uh, the right answers can come out. But as long as people continue to point the finger and criticize and this one should step down and that one should step down, first of all, you need to look at yourselves because nobody's perfect out here. Everybody has made mistakes. And some of the very people that are calling for these people to step down, they may have some dirty laundry in their closet as well. So you need to be Under- careful and treat each other with dig- dignity and respect and wait for all of the, the facts to come out and then and then make a decision.
19: Understood, but the, the facts are that these two men, the governor and the attorney general, have admitted to right. wearing blackface and right. many of the people who yes. believe Governor Northam and the attorney general's apologies say that there are consequences in this new sensitivity training they're going through. Mm-hmm. Do they have to do that while they're in office? Uh, John Boyd, Jr., thank you right. so much for being thank with you. us this morning.
5: All right, let's now go to uh, former communications. ought to be in the office. Well, let me ask you a question, Congresswoman, as as the elected Democrat at the table. Uh, If all three of them resign, Mm -hmm. uh, then I believe the Republican speaker of the House of Delegates becomes governor. Uh, You don't want that.
20: No, but we need to think about doing what's right and what's right for Virginians and what's right overall. I mean, look at the race issue in today's day and age with the president at the helm who has been one of the most divisive presidents and, frankly, racist himself, is a conversation we do need to have. Um, but looking at just the line of order and saying, no, we're not going to do that because of the consequences, is not the right way to do this. And so, for me, I, would, I do think we need to have this conversation, and we should continue to have this conversation. It has to be front and center, and we can't forget about the person who is dividing us and who himself is injecting this into the country to live up again and coming out again. And we haven't seen it be this bad in recent time till the president has really made this um, a race issue, whether it's about um, African-Americans. Certainly, he's doing it all over the board with immigrants. But we need to have this conversation. I cannot.
21: What? I just can't. 1984, 1980, right. Gucci, just a few days ago, this is not about President Donald Trump. This is about racism in the United States of America. Congresswoman, I hear you, but on this, we're not blaming President Trump. I'm he saying he that he has, listen, he look, has divided no, this
6: country. No, let me, let me
21: just say this. He is using easy, race as an I am issue. not going to let, continue to let politicians. Use this man as the excuse to deal with racism in this country. It's been going on for far too long in the United States of America. We need some real truth and re- reconciliation. Yes, President Donald Trump is a racist. There is no doubt about it. But as we have seen Democrats, Delve in racism as well. We got to stop making this about who's a Republican, who's a Democrat. I want to know who's a humanitarian. I want to know who's going to stand up for people's lives, starting with black lives, because when you take care of black lives, everybody's life is taken care of. Everyone's life is taken care of. So no more about this. These three men, it had nothing to do with President Trump. What Lieutenant Governor Fairfax is going through don't have nothing to do with President Trump. Northam wearing blackface don't have nothing to do with Donald Trump. Harrington wearing blackface has nothing to do with what Donald Trump. What, this is about racism in the saying. DNA of this country. And I am over He's it. Exactly we are right. traumatized, Jake, and we are sick of it. You know, now, what, politicians what, what is, need what is to he, stop playing what games.
22: That is exactly right. It's about personal responsibility for your own actions and the things that you've done. When he was 25 years old, it wasn't he couldn't blame Donald Trump for his. He's at 25 years old. <laughs> I mean, you can't you and have in medical take school, responsibility right. for the things that you do. And well, I think, think that that's the problem with group. the Virginia the governor guy. is that first he said, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that was me. I'm sorry about the picture. Then it was like, well, I don't really remember. And his wife is keeping him from actually moonwalking. moonwalking. I mean, this is the person that he does not know what were the appropriate yeah. levels are. I mean, he cannot he can't govern. So it's absolutely time for him to go um, and, and wipe the slate clean. And I appreciate, by the way, um, the representative saying that this has nothing to do with what, you know, who's next in line and, and the risk of Republicans actually taking office. This has to do with right and wrong. And this and this these are clearly well, wrong um, places for these. I
23: appreciate those comments as well. Good morning. Chuck, let's start in Virginia. You and I sat here a week ago at this time and weren't sure whether or not the governor was going to make it to the end of the show before he had to resign. <laughs> right. Well, he's still standing and he says he's not going anywhere now because of the new scandal, two sexual assault allegations right. against the lieutenant governor of that state who also says he's not going anywhere until there's an FBI investigation. This has reached into the presidential campaign with candidates being asked about it, calling for Fairfax's resignation where does this end in virginia
24: well i think we're in a bit of a pause i think this new poll this morning in the washington post is going to reinforce governor northam's belief that he made the right decision not to resign it's they're split right down the middle forty seven forty seven about whether he should stay or go and i think there's a lot of a lot of politicians frankly we're probably waiting to see how was the how was the state how are voters reacting to this and so in many ways, I think that poll buys everybody time. It probably is going to relieve some of the pressure off of Northam. In fact, in that same poll, um, a majority of African-Americans said he should stay in office. So that should relieve a little bit of pressure. It adds more pressure, I think, to the lieutenant governor. But even there, I think you've got to give – got to have an investigation. I mean, you cannot – I think that at the end of the day, if he's chased out of office without an investigation, that is just not going to sit well with a bunch of folks either.
23: But interesting, so many Democrats are not waiting for an investigation, including presidential candidates right. who said Fairfax. Ha-
1: so that, of course, was uh, Trump's fault. There's blackface. CNN panel pushes back on it's Trump's fault. And Chuck Todd, being the activist, he lets wait. Let's see if a dim rule of law and all that bullshit. Basically, what we're at is that they don't want to get rid of people because those nasty Republicans. And it's probably better to keep a Democrat who's a racist than a Republican racist you don't know about. That's the media. So I just had to touch it. Nothing. Omar. You know, we're doing the Green Deal today. Ocasio Cortez. Tlaib. Everybody in Virginia politics. They don't suffer any consequences. Nobody gets asked questions. Not every leader. Pelosi doesn't have to answer for this. The media doesn't even push it. Doesn't even care. Antifa thug facing assault charge uh, in beatings of two Marines in Philadelphia tied to Maxine Waters. Worked on his staff. But just to hit... At home, this month, the month of January, excuse me, 33 incidents of Trump's a racist was in our TV, and it goes a little something like this.
21: Mike Pence's wife, Karen,
9: or mother, as she's called during their BDSM late night kink sessions.
12: Is Donald Trump racist?
24: Duh. Trump is holding this country hostage. You don't
9: deal with
24: terrorists. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Mr. President, on the off chance that you aren't watching Judge Jeanine Pirro with your pants off right now. Suck it, you! Everybody's
18: laughing at you.
9: He has turned
24: the Republican Party into something different than it was when I started to run for president. Yeah, uh, no question. Kremlin. I
25: think
9: it's a little premature to be lamenting the death of our democracy.
23: That is exactly what everyone said in those countries as human rights eroded.
9: My greatest accomplishment? Oh, we didn't
14: ask. Not getting AIDS from Roy Cohn.
1: We have anti-Semites in the Democratic Party. We have actual racists wearing blackface in almost all of Virginia. But yeah, it's Trump. So we're going to go into immigration. Uh, The only news network that actually covered this was Fox. Fox actually aired the killing. And I'm going to play the segment because Alexander Cozy Cortez actually got away with excusing her position. When you know if a Republican said, oh, we're not doing X, and then X happened, yeah, they'd have to change their position. The deputy director of ICE uh, says a cap on beds, in his words, would be, quote, extremely damaging to the public safety of this country. How do you respond?
9: The reason that they are already 8,000 over their budgeted amount, so they're violating the budget, is because of the president's uh, zero-tolerance policy that has turned everyone, regardless uh, of their uh, record, uh, into a criminal. For example, if you cross the border undocumented, he has now made you a criminal. Uh, he is creating that problem by turning people away who legitimately seek asylum. If a person has a driving while under the influence violation, he is now making that, saying that that's a criminal. Uh-
1: Unlike these people, I actually care about my community. This happened across my old campaign office. We've been monitoring this heartbreaking situation and have been working with the community to heal. Meanwhile, ICE is doing this. Daily Beast, Fox and Friends tries to blame AOC for fatal shooting. The media is so in the tank for this. This is an actual article. I'm not going to read it, but this came out of WAPO. I had to turn on my VPN because I'm out of free articles to be able to get this bitch. A grandma helped her boyfriend register to vote. She was just sentenced to prison for it. That's an article in WAPO. He was illegal. She got him registered to vote illegally and he voted. But she's the victim. That's the article in a nutshell. She's the victim. Because fuck, you know, actual laws. Morally right. Forward-facing. Illegal immigrant ex-boyfriend of 24-year-old New York woman whose dead body was found bound and stuffed in a suitcase is arrested in connection with her murder. Understand, this was big news yesterday until it was found out it was an illegal. CNN dropped it. I was putting my podcast together And I had CNN playing in the background. I didn't have any sound on because I was listening to podcasts. And the article was on in the morning. I saw this headline break and I never saw it for a two hour period. CNN didn't touch it. They're touching the deal, though. So the deal was made. And all I'm going to cover on the deal is a simple concept they don't want a wall and they don't want detaining beds. Once again. They argued for less beds. They don't want people to be detained. They just want them to come in. Whether they're criminals or not, doesn't matter. Beds are bad. That was their big thing. That's that's what they fought over. And I, I just want you to let that stick. That's what they fought. Beds. It went from uh, 52,000 to 45,20, I guess. And the Democrats are all in the media. That's so good. We don't need to detain these people. Just let them come in. Don't check the background. Let them all in. Morally right. They're going to be Democrats, god damn it. We need those fucking votes. So, Jesse Smollett. I did these all in the intro because these are the ones we've been working on. Behind the scenes is clear. Chicago media and police doubt Jesse Smollett's story. Update, after Jesse Smollett turned over limited redacted phone records, Chicago police spokesman, we are very appreciative of the victim's cooperation. However, the records provide, do not meet the burden of a criminal investigation. Detectives may be following up because he edited a shitload of records and redacted them. Breaking. Chicago, Chicago police confirmed to ABC that today, Jesse Smollett submitted phone records from within an hour of the alleged attack to investigators. Empire actor turned over limited and redacted phone records in connection with his reported attack two weeks ago. Jesse Smollett's neighbor cast doubt on his attack. Yeah. Was, the neighbors were growing scared. I don't believe it happened the way he said it did. Said again, Muhammad. That's not a red stater. Don't think he's got to make a great American great hat on. So, with the last name of again, Muhammad, you can't say it's the racist who lives in the same swank high rise area. I've been in the neighborhood five years. I don't believe it. Not around here. Half the people are gay, and the other half are black. A patron at Liz McNeil Irish Pub, about a block from scene of the alleged attack, said Smollett's story doesn't really make sense. It's a lie. Because Chicago is the most liberal city around, said so the man, I wouldn't give his name, they have cameras everywhere. Why can't they f- Yeah, why can't they? But it's exactly, those are liberals! Those are liberals, and they're saying it! We all have to take the phone to download the data, and he expressed he couldn't be without the phone for several hours. A false report, uh, treated as a victim, but would be held accountable if the cops learned he filed their false report. Smollett told cops, "Same old thing, bad people said stuff, yada yada yada." Uh, let say the post, uh, I'm trying to say, a subway sandwich. Where he bought a tuna sandwich and he made it home with the sandwich. Okay, so that's the end of that article. It, it's pretty obvious. It, it's pretty obvious. Um, everybody says it's bullshit. The media has dropped it. There is no proof. My point's on this. When your neighbors are calling you out and they say the same thing us conservatives say, which is, that's pretty liberal city, a lot of gay people, a lot of black people, I doubt this ever happened. And you submit a redacted phone? Was that you setting up the quasi-attack? It's all bullshit. This story's bullshit. And I will bet you my left... Nut. Left nut, I say. He won't do time for a false report. The media will never report that he lied because, once again, I've done 10 to 15 of these on the show. They're all fake. And the media runs with them because it's chop. Chop's evil. He's making people crazy. It's good politically for the left. Yeah, while their people are anti-Semites, run around in blackface, wanting to ban all cars in their Green Deal. Uh-huh. Gonna go to school rap. I heard this on a show the other day, and I just went, man, this was a good song. You know, back in the day, I, I, I'm not covering the Grammys, but I watched it and on Fast Forward, because nobody has, that's not music. Half the people were singing on tune. that shit fucking sucked. Doesn't anybody have a band anymore where they play drums and a bass and a guitar? Do we not do that on this planet? I saw a bunch of fucking acoustic shit. I saw a bunch of people just singing and dancing and that Cardi B and all that bullshit. She can't sing. Everything is canned, man. And rap music just about kill whitey which was kind of about Kill Whitey back in the day, but at least you had a hook. I mean, that's the difference. Me and the wife had a whole conversation of the uh, Fresh Prince rap and Run DMC rap and the rap that Sugar Hill Gang and shit like that. They had a hook. Even if you didn't like that kind of music, you toe-tapped, you head-bobbed, you you shook the booty while you were washing dishes because it had a hook. There was a little catch to it. And this one... Was bad fucking ass. I didn't even know the name of the band. It's, uh, what the fuck's his name? K7. Come, baby, come, baby, baby, come, come. Oh, come on, man. You shook your ass to this shit. Don't judge me. On the other side of the Green Deal. <laughs>
26: bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed
10: come fly with me let's fly let's fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay come on and fly with me let's fly let's fly away
5: you co-sponsored a resolution outlining a Green New Deal in the Senate this week. It calls for a sweeping overhaul of the entire U.S. economy in 10 years by, quote, meeting 100% of the power demand in the United States through clean, renewable, and zero-emission energy sources. Uh, a fellow senator who caucuses with the Democrats, independent Senator Angus King of Maine, uh, as well as Obama, former uh, Energy Secretary Ernest Moniz, say they don't think that this plan is realistic. I think it's absolutely realistic, and I frankly think we need to set our sights high. I think there were a lot of people who said that it wasn't realistic for the United States to get a man on the moon by the end of the 1960s when President Kennedy initially outlined that goal, Um, but we did it. And I think we have to set our sights high. I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Global warming is an existential threat to the planet, and so if we don't command this country to think big about saving uh, our nation and our world from destruction um that I don't think we're going to get close to meeting the mark. All right, I have a lot more questions about the Green New Deal. Hopefully you can come back uh, and do. talk to me either during the week or another Sunday, Senator Murphy. Thanks so much for being here.
27: Thanks, Jake.
24: This week, here's a um, bullet points of the Green New Deal. I want to put it up here. Achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions, upgrade all existing buildings, overhaul transportation systems, guaranteed job for every American. It's a resolution, not a bill. Here was President Trump's tweet in response, a bit of sarcasm. I think it is very important for the Democrats to press forward with their Green New Deal. It would be great for the so-called carbon footprint to permanently eliminate all planes, cars, cows, oil, gas, and the military, even if no other country would do the same. Brilliant. Marcos, the party, the Democratic Party, is this a healthy debate that's happening right now? Yeah, I think
3: this is aspirational. This is actually popular. And if Trump thinks that this is going to hurt us politically, he's absolutely uh, not really paying attention to the pulse of the country. This is aspirational. Like, like uh, you said, it's not a bill. The details would have to be worked out. And this is so ambitious that these details would have to be worked out over decades. This is a broad, uh, aggressive, bold agenda, and it'll take time to implement, but at least it shows people where the Democratic Party is going on the issue of climate change.
2: You have some, some real reporting out there from experts, not just uh, analysts on television, but from actual experts of the UN, from, the, from Donald Trump's own administration, saying how dire this is. Uh, the UN said we have 12 years before complete disaster. You talked to the representative of the Marshall Islands, and he's calling it uh, what could amount to genocide if we allow things to go as they are. The reports aren't just... Hey, a, it's going to get bad. The reports are people will die. Millions and millions and millions of people will die. And I think that there is an appetite among voters out there, especially democratic voters and potentially uh, swing voters to say, "Hey, let's do something about this now because it's it's going to affect our future." A- and there's there's real economic damage that can happen as well. Billions of dollars mm-hmm. in economic damage from from crops to to deaths to losing oceanfront homes and businesses in over the next century. Sure
24: have a majority at all on the other side of of the capital so how do you do it
2: so this is a big
18: part of when you actually break down our strategy on the green new deal Um, even when you go all the way back to to our requests in in the fall Mm -hmm. we were talking about the need to draft or come up with a blueprint by 2020 because what this really is is an organizing play it's so that by 2020, we can get all of those chess pieces in order. We can get a majority in the House. We can get a majority in the Senate. We can capture the presidency, and we can get things done in that
24: time. You may have to compromise to get your 60. I mean, you know, yeah. Joe Manchin, a very influential Democrat um, in the Senate. I think we we calculated he used the word cold nine times mm-hmm. in his uh, one yeah. of his uh, in his he opening did. statement on he Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, Chuck Schumer, your se- your senior senator there. He wants to find 51 senators yeah. total to get yeah. the majority.
18: Absolutely. Yeah. How
24: do you find the compromise?
18: So I think when it comes to making those compromises, it's all about the landscape when we get there. So... There are some compromises that I think are on the table if we get, have just 51, but I think some of those compromises are, on, are off the table if we have 60. Mm-hmm. And so I can't speculate as to what the potential compromises would be for any variable makeup uh, in in 2020. But the thing that we can control is starting our organizing and being as, as as aggressive as possible now, so we can maximize our majority.
24: What do you think the best case is to conservative voters, mm-hmm. you know, in more rural areas mm-hmm. to? To, to say, okay, this is something we gotta tackle now, Mm -hmm. even though they see what's happened in France and it seems like it impacts the middle to lower middle class mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. All of these ideas, taxing carbon, mm-hmm. that it just trickles down to the working class.
18: Well, the reason it's trickled down to the working class in France is because we've allowed corporations to take over who bears the burden of carbon carbon taxes and, and other taxes. And that's why when we work as a progressive movement here, it needs to be led by everyday people. It needs to be led by work It needs to be led by frontline communities, because if we don't do that, that is what happens. And, by the way, when you look at who's actually responsible for the majority of of carbon emissions, it is the top ten corporations, multinational corporations in the world are responsible for an enormous amount of our carbon output. So it should not be uh, middle-class Americans, and it should not be everyday people that bear that burden, and it should not be a gas tax at the pump. It should be really the corporations that are responsible for for soiling our, um, rather, for polluting our our water and our air.
24: Is it a, a, how how do you envision financing this? Is it all through government? Is it just, how, how are you envisioning financing it that it doesn't end up with the rank and file tax?
18: so there's a couple of things one is that uh, i think one one way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh... what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously what we're trying to do is well obviously it's not that because what we're trying to do is release the investments from the federal government to mobilize those resources across the country so how do we get there it can come across a wide range of things it could be at Tennessee Valley Authority-style public programs, but it could also be public-private partnerships. Uh, It can work down on a municipal level. There could be some potential contracting involved. So it's not as though the federal government's going to wave a wand and say, we're going to do it all ourselves. Secondly, I think one of the big issues, too, is that we have to really address the fact that there's been this broken metaphor of the government as this one-in-one-out piggy bank that republicans like to say applies to democratic right. programs but when it's their turn at the helm they just cut whatever check that they want to cut which is what they did with the tax cut bill however the tax cut bill they lied about in terms of saying that it will generate economic activity we know that for every dollar you you cut in taxes you get just a couple cents back but for every dollar that you invest in infrastructure in building in right. jobs you get more than a dollar back
24: a uh, little party politics question I got to ask you.
1: I'm just going to start this, and then I really could just stop the segment. I'm not going to, but this is just sums it all up. Stephen Miller, the fate of the planet is at stake here. Why are we letting a climate denier from California do us all? Kathy Ronayne, Sacramento, California Governor Gavin Newsom abandons plan for a high-speed train from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Says it's too costly. Oh, my God. No. Huge articles on this. Not going to read them. Media runs interference from Alexander Cozy cortez after massive new green, green new deal, blah, blah, blah. Her plan was basically afterwards, when we finished the last show, we're going to just say they're lying. This wasn't real. The document they're passing is not real. They're faking it, and she's getting away with it. Getting away. You heard the sound bites. You're getting. She's getting away with it. And she. It was totally unnecessary. She didn't need to, because whack jobs like Chuck Todd were like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Yeah. This is actually from media. A top lines from AOC endorsed Green Deal that conservatives are sure to pounce on. And in case. Get that this is not an actual conservative pounce story. There was plenty of conservative pouncing only because of some of the suggestions are borderline insane. This comes from Abrams Mediaite. That's no left wing organization over there, folks. Or right wing, I'm sorry. They're, they're lefties. And their questions, this is a lefty website, at the end of the day, this is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation, so the question is, how will we pay for it? But what we need to do to make sure it happens, the every building thing, they even said it's stupid, totally overhaul station, build charging stations everywhere, build out high speed rail at a scale where air travel stops becoming necessary. Build on FDRs, guaranteeing a job, a family staying wages, family man, blah, blah, blah. All the social shit. Ban nuclear. Scott Parker. Back of the envelope math, that means retrofitting 39,179 building housing units every day for 10 straight years. 137,403,460 just housing units. Five point six million commercial buildings in the US. That comes up to eighty seven billion square feet. That's why when I said there was uh five million or five hundred some odd million or some shit. I mean I was pretty close. I mean the census of twenty seventeen said there's one hundred and thirty seven million buildings. And 5.6. So we're, we're still looking at close to 200 million buildings that you're just gonna magically delicious. I mean, I don't know how you do that in 10 years. Lachi Marley, any proposal to radically reduce U.S. carbon emissions in the near term while also completely, completely phasing out nuclear power is not a serious proposal. It's true. Logan Dobson, this is how the entire new, entire Green New Deal would go. Igor Bobic, California voters green lighted high speed rail in 2008. It's faced numerous lawsuits, use delay, cost overruns, mismanagement, and nowhere near being done. This is before the release of that. We're canceling it late last night. Sanjar and Jetty, Green New Deal, we set a goal to get to net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years because we aren't sure that we'll be able to fully stop getting rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. That article, that part of this article went global. Cow farting. Farting cows. Whole articles on Pelosi said suck it. Ben Shapiro... Basic law of media, the worse the screw up by Democrats, the more the Republicans are guilty of pouncing. See, example, the media coverage of Team AOC's abject lie about her insane Green New Deal backgrounder. The plan is the hottest piece of garbage in recent political memory, and many in the media first treated it as an aspirational call, then gave credence to the lie that it was a GOP prank, then bought into the lie that it was a giant accident. It is truly amazing how credulous so many of our journalistic firefighters become the moment they are confronted with the obvious silliness of some of their political favorites, which led to Susan Ferraccio's The Mysterious Case of AOC's Scrubbed Green Deal. On February 5th, the Congressional Office of AOC posted a new blog entry, Energy Issue, detailing her Green New Deal proposal and answering frequently asked questions. The page, announced at 8.30 a.m., launched a and a top advisor suggested Friday on Tucker Carlson that it was authored and distributed by the GOP. By the afternoon of February 7th, AOC removed the document from the website without explaining but following backlash and even ridicule over the radical plan outline within it, including a call to eliminate emissions from cow or tra- air travel, <laughs> which would functionally ban the latter. And to provide economic security for all who are unable to or unwilling to work. The document vanished just hours after AOC and Malarkey, a Democrat from Mass, formally unveiled a Green New Deal resolution that has so far attracted 67 Democrats co-sponsored in the House. It's a non-binding measure that is less detailed than the now-deleted fact document, but calls for completely and speedy overhaul of the nation's energy, transportation, and farming sector in order to eliminate carbon emissions in coming decade. The communications staff has so far not responded to an inquiry about the now-missing blog, but on Saturday morning, Chief of Staff Syket Chabrata tweeted that the fact page was indeed posted by AOC staff, but was done so in error. He called the page an early draft of a fact that was clearly unfinished and that doesn't represent the GND resolution that got published to the website by mistake. Idea was wait for launch, monitor questions, and rewrite the fact before publishing. AOC later stated, Later Saturday, admitted the same tweeting at a Washington Post reporter. There was also a draft version that got uploaded and taken down. There's also draft versions floating out there. A policy advisor to AOC, though, told Fox News night that the claims were some kind of hoax perpetrated perpetrated by the Republicans. Hockett, professor of law and finance at Cornell, appeared on Tucker. We played it instantly, blah, blah, blah. Hockett may have been referring to AOC's Friday tweet of a doctored version of the blog posted by frequent tweeter and humorist David Burge and others that call for recycling urine. The right-wing commentator Mark Dice said he created the fake screenshot when your new Green Deal legislation is so strong that GOP has to resort to circulating false versions, but the real one nets 70 House co-sponsors of day one and all damn presidential candidates sign on anyway, AOC claimed. When your green blah, 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 blah. AOC again referred to the doctored versions in her Saturday tweet, though she did not address Why the original post on our website, which initially said, we aren't sure that we'll have the the cow farting shit, and was apparently later updated to instead include the emissions language, was edited and removed. Chabrataki tweeted a link Saturday to the Green Economy Group New Consensus, which is authored an explainer of the Green Deal. Don't worry, New Consensus tweeted. Policy deets are coming. As for the blog post, has not been restored to a congressional website as of Saturday morning, but is available via archive and text saved online. There are no new entries under the site's energy issue section, just a picture of an oil rig, which where the post once appeared. The page at the original website says, page not found. Jonah Goldberg. Just admit, you committed one of the greatest Kinsley gaffes in decades. Your office obviously released what you actually think, and now you're scrambling to pretend something else happened. It's dishonest and speaks to the immaturity of you, your staff, and your ideas. AOC. Climate change is not a market glitch to be fixed through pricing, but part of a dire social crisis. The GND resolution for purpose is to define the scope of the climate solution. Now, from investing into battery tech to fixing water pipes, we can draft projects in the plan. The Economist. The Green Deal bundles together the issues of climate change and economic inequality. Yeah. It's not a Green Deal. It's a socialist manifesto. The entire world tried to tell her that the pipes in Flint weren't a market failure. They were a social failure. Or that's what she was saying. Yes, it's a plot to get rid of old poor people. People really voted for this woman, somebody says. After she goes on a whole Flint pipe craziness, uh, Dan Tobin, Daniel Tobin, pipes in Flint were a government failure. Democrats, actually. It's unclear why more governments is the solution when the government they had poisoned them. The morning spoo. They used to call this blank check fraudulent obtained. Now they call it democratic policy. A government can't control the economy without controlling the people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force or coercion to achieve its purpose. They also knew, those Founding Fathers, that outside of its legitimate function, government does nothing as well or as economically as a private sector company. Persnickety. Every time I read an AOC talking about government, I'm reminded of a couple sentences from an old speech. And it's the Ronald Reagan one. Grouchy, the government has failed you, but now that I'm part of the government, you need more government to fix everything that I say is wrong with the world. Fill that remains. Here's your problem. This is what will need to be your focus if you're serious. More people live in the highlighted areas and live outside of it. And they want a middle class lifestyle the same as any other people do. Focus on the real issues. it was showing Asia. Yeah. John Kessler. What? <laughs> I like that. Jim Rowland. GND is a socialist power grab designed to put all power in the hands of the political elites and unelected bureaucrats. This is tyranny. It's the most basic form, six separate tyrannis. But AOC still got the star treatment.
18: I reject the rationale of saying adopting the same insurance models or a similar insurance model to any other developed country in America is unrealistic. I reject that. I reject the idea that single payer is is impossible. I reject the idea that universal health care is impossible. All of these things are possible. We need commitments with teeth. So I don't want to be placated as a progressive. And I know that the progressive movement does not want to be placated in 2020. I want a 2020 candidate that Says we can do these things. We can be audacious. I think we need, in order to overcome this moment, we need to return to our FDR roots as a
12: party.
1: Star treatment, all the weekend shows. This was the greatest thing ever. Not that she hit it. Not that she took it down. Not that it was the most idiotic, fucking fucked up promotion you ever heard. No, Mm -mm. these are our media. They are socialists. They they they're, they're with the libs. We need more government. Smart people did to take over because you stupid red staters voted in Trump. That's, that's what it's all about. Igor Schatz, lap my ass off. I reject the idea that traveling faster than the speed of light is impossible. I reject the idea that men won't want to urinate in jugs and make coffee out of it. The jokes write themselves. Grant Kessler, it is impossible in a country to decide. You're smarter than this, AOC. I don't reject the idea that universal health care is possible. I reject the idea that universal health care is possible. Universal health care is free, and I reject the idea that government-run programs are administered in a fair, equitable manner. FYI, if you want to read some terrifying stuff, just go through this thread and read the number of people saying how this works in Canada. So it should work here. Political bunny. Universal health care is not impossible. We just do not want it to be run by the government. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It just goes on. I have so much. Bizner Insider ran the headline, Republicans Pounce, but the New York Times said, hold my fucking beer. AOC team flubs a New Green Deal summary, and Republicans Pounce. That's the headline. That, that was the fucking headline, front page. Stephen Miller, seriously, they're just trolling us. Ben Shapiro, yeah, pounce. And he followed it up with, I wish I could buy stock in the word pounce. Cow farts ban. Washington Post fact checker hides the Pinocchios for Team Ocasio. Goes through the whole thing. Doesn't disregard it. Ocasio is now disowned. The fact and the statements that went beyond the resolution the line about providing people unwilling to work has been walked back completely. So we won't be re- awarding any Pinocchios in this kerfluffle. Get rid of farting cows and airplanes. That's fast. Urge the fact checker. Don't get rid of farting cows and airplanes. Uh, I. It, the statement and fact at issue were not doctored. They were all produced by her staff. He did get her on that one. What actually is the Green Deal for Democrats? It wasn't AOC's lies about doctored documents, but the recent Trump pieces have headlines like President Trump's fantastical human trafficking claims, President Trump's Texas-sized Whoppers. Those are big ones. Hers are were good. She didn't... Double down, multiple doctored, she's been tweeting that all week, it's all fake, it's all, just all fake, Stephen Miller, AOC gaslights all of Twitter, here's Washington Post fact checker response, oh, they walked it back, yeah, wait, What? AG conservative. They lied about it even being in there. Also, the actual resolution promises economic security for all Americans. presuming that also includes unwilling to work. Wouldn't the act of walking something back concede that it was advanced in the first place? She said it, but then ran away from criticism. Therefore, she didn't say it, is what WAPO ran with. The Hill. Washington Post fact checker gives Ocasio-Cortex zero Pinocchios for Dr. Document. Harrison Ford, apocalyptic climate change, the same time. Huge. Star Wars guy. We don't do this. We're all going to die. Katie Turr, you I think you heard it. Oh my God. Oh my God. We need to, we need to do it. Millions and millions and millions of people are going to die. You've already said that. And then Philip Klein gets an article in the Washington Examiner. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to read his tweet. And remember what I said on this. I said this was a socialist manifesto. They want to take over the country and make it what it's not. It's not about climate change. Climate change is a tool to take over the government and make it what they want. A non-farting cow and everybody's pen, a chicken in every pot. We're all in a bread line and get ready for a lot of lentil soup. This is his tweet. When I say Green New Deal would require a revolution, I don't mean it in a loose sense like Reagan revolution. I mean it more like a French revolution or a Russian revolution. Example, would have to topple the existing structure of government. There's no way a Green New Deal passes without abolishing the Senate. Any government structure that gives veto power to a chamber with equal representation from smaller coal-dependent states Won't let that happen. In addition, even if you enacted a Green New Deal in Congress, you couldn't implement as intended with current structure, which gives deference to states and allows them and individuals to file legal challenges. Any Green New Deal that gives more latitude to states and individuals will see less compliance. Any compliance re- regime with stricter mandates would invite more legal challenges and mean more backlash. So to pass an act, a Green New Deal, you basically need to topple the current government with a re- revolution, abolish the Senate, create a new system which government declared emergency powers for at least a few decades than it took to transform the economy. That's his tweet. Do I need to read that again to prove my point? Do do I need to read it? A reply. Interesting way for a leading Green New Deal activist to react to a column arguing that enacting a GND would require toppling the U.S. government and replacing it with one that suspends elections and declares emergency powers to transform the economy for decades. It's not about climate change. Climate change is the New Testament to the religion of progressivism's Bible. That's all it is. It's the New Testament. They see how they can take over the world is through climate change. And this crazy Philip Klein, he's right. The only way to make this happen is to topple the government. You'd have to take over the country. Or else... Those damn red states will act just like we do on immigration and ignore laws. You see? You see how they operate? You don't have the right to not do what we tell you to do, but we can do whatever the fuck we want because we're morally right. It's all about morals. In this, I found an incredible response that I think a lot of Americans could actually get behind and would embrace this climate change hysterics. His name's Otter. Otter 69187916. That's his handle. Climate change at worst will bring slowly developing highly predictable disruption to agricultural sea levels and weather events. It will be far more effective and efficient to adjust to those outcomes rather than enact probably futile, measures to prevent them. It's the best tweet I've ever seen on climate change. He's right. And they know it. They know the best way to handle climate change is to enact steps to stop people on the coast from getting under 30 feet of water. Or what are we supposed to be, 100 feet of water now? I mean, I don't even remember all the fucking lies from, you know gore back in the day no polar shelf fish dead holes in the ozone and you can't go there because you're getting sunburned I mean all this craziness it would be easier to do things to stop the craziness but that's not what it's about it's not about saving the planet they know nothing we do now will stop it Nothing will reverse it. This is the normal cycle of the planet. It takes care of itself. That's why there were ice ages. Yada, yada, yada. But they just want to take over the country. And the scariest part is when you present these crazy cow farting blah, blah, blah. And some of you might have heard this because it was flown around the internet. Campus Reform went out and asked these kids about the Green Deal, And then told them what was in it. And they go, holy fucking shit. No, that doesn't make much sense. Because it still comes back to what we've been talking about ever since I started a podcast. These motherfuckers want this shit, but they don't want to do anything to do it. They're not going to give up the car. They're not going to give up the ability to charge their fucking iPhone. And they know to do the green deal, you're going to have to really, really compromise. Your life has to drastically change. I mean, not written in here, but I've seen it in other documents. You can't have AC. you just got to suck it up and live a little house on the motherfucking prairie during the summer. You're just going to have to. And just bundle yourself up in the winter. Because burning all that oil to heat your house on the East Coast, or the coal-fired plants that supply the heat that's turning on right now in my home, that's too expensive. But God knows I can't be burning wood because that's bad too. Oregon's got that. My parents couldn't even use their goddamn fireplace because you couldn't burn wood anymore. It's bad for the fucking environment. So you just got to be cold and hot. You're going to enjoy two parts of the year, spring and fall, where you can enjoy pleasant temperatures. And the rest of the time you're just a miserable caveman motherfucker. But it's important, because we need to save the planet. And Democrats need to win elections. So, we're going to listen to campus reform. We're going to go into 2020. It's Klobuchar. There's a lot of... Oh, no. Which we're starting with Warren first. Oh, it just, the hits just keep coming.
28: I'm Cabot Fellows with Campus Reform. Today we're at the University of Miami talking to students about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. It sounds nice, it's ambitious, but will students support it when they find out what's actually in it? Let's talk to them and find out. The number one trending thing on social media yesterday was her Green New Deal, it's a plan to combat climate change. It was already endorsed by multiple Democrat frontrunners for president in 2020. Based on what you've heard of the plan, would you say you view it favorably or unfavorably?
17: I view it favorably. I think that we need to cut our reliance on fossil fuels. It's definitely a great idea.
28: I like that it's uh, progressive i like that it is going to push the world forward in the way we need to be
19: i would say it's a favorable act
28: just from like knowing like who's endorsed it and just like some like little things it sounds great
17: i think it'd be great for us
28: i think if we didn't do that then we're going to be killing ourselves basically
27: Got it. so we need to take care of ourselves
7: i think it's very important to to support that
17: anything that would reduce our dependence on fossil fuels is really important i definitely support this movement
28: some of the things in the plan i want to get your opinion on so the plan says within 10 years we're going to completely outlaw coal natural gas and oil so gasoline anything like that in 10 years mm, i don't i don't agree with that but to be honest with you i think we need those things to live
19: but i do not think it is feasible in 10 years i don't think that that would be something that would be able to be done in such a short amount of time i think 10 years is a little extreme because i feel like there's such a big uh, global market and economic impact of oil businesses, albeit might not be good for the environment, but there's, you can't deny there's a big economic impact to these companies.
28: What's your thought on that? <laughs> Sounds like a reach, honestly. Do <laughs> you think that's feasible? No. If you're unwilling to work, we will still supply help for your salary and help no. for a living wage. No, absolutely not. If you're not willing to contribute to society, then I don't think that the people
5: who are contributing should pay for you. Mm. So I, I disagree with that.
18: I feel like it kind of sends the poor message of, you know, you can just get away with not doing
17: anything and, you know, getting money. It's kind of stupid. I don't like that personally. Unwilling isn't the best way to go about things. Like, I don't want to go to college, but I have to get a job, so.
7: Everyone is to contribute. That's the only way society works.
17: Um, I don't know about that one. I think that if you're unwilling, that I don't know if you should receive money for
28: that. If you didn't want to go to class, if you were unwilling to go to class, should I still give you a good grade?
17: No. <laughs> um, um, yeah, like people definitely need a job and need to work.
28: Eliminating almost all air travel with high speed rails. What's your thought on that? Uh, I feel like it's the same one. It's like, I feel like 10 years is a little extreme for that. I don't think it should be eliminated
27: altogether. Uh, I think it's definitely, it like, can be an option. I think we should. the more options we have, the better.
17: I think that's drastic. I haven't heard of that one yet.
28: Yeah, I can't see that happening either, honestly. Okay.
19: We've gone, come so far to get to this point where we are right now
28: with using these resources and to say, oh, we have to get rid of it in 10 years seems a little too much to me. Who's going to pay for all of it? Who's going to offset the trillions of dollar right. cost that it would be?
18: Right. I don't know. Okay. Nobody knows. Okay. Like, it's kind of like
17: who's really going to pay. I don't, like...
28: Based on what you've heard from these, does it change your perception of the plan at all? Yeah. A lot.
17: Sometimes you need to take extreme measures to save the environment, but I don't think that is like, I think it's a bit too extreme.
28: Um,
27: it doesn't sound like something I would be behind. I don't agree with us having to, you know, take away uh, flying in the air. I don't agree with, you know, taking away coal and things like that, and I don't agree with everyone getting money for doing nothing.
28: I'm Caleb Phillips with Campus Reform, thanks so much for watching. If you want to donate to help us make more videos just like that, you can click right here. And if you wanna be the first person to see all of our new content, click the subscribe button right here. Please, click one of them. It doesn't have to be both. One or the other. Okay, thanks.
26: Every day, there's a racist tweet, a hateful tweet, something really dark and ugly. And what are we as candidates as activists, as the press, going to do about that? We're going to chase after those every every day? Are we going to let him use those to divide us? You know, here's what bothers me. By the time we get to 2020, Donald Trump may not even be president. In fact, he may not even be a free person, but here's how I see it: Donald Trump is not the only problem we've got. Yeah, Donald Trump is the sis, is the symptom of a badly broken system. So our job as we start rolling into the next election, is not just to respond on a daily basis, it's to talk about what we understand that is broken in this country, talk about what needs to be done to change it, and talk about how we're going to do that. Because that is not only how we win, it's how we make the change we need to make.
4: There is no bottom right for Donald Trump there's always a lower place to go but i do think the elizabeth warren story actually there's a distinction to be made between claiming native and ancestry and being from oklahoma and saying that you did not put that on any official document, right, in order to gain entry or a benefit in terms of the bar application that is the form in the most recent story or an application to an uh, academic institution. Those two things are separate, in my view. Okay. Um, because if you but, uh, but But is it a distinction that plays with voters? Certainly, I think that it is one that is nuanced, and that's sometimes hard with voters. But I would encourage everybody watching to Google the Great Migration. Then they will understand sort of the American history that is involved with Native ancestry, specifically in the state of Oklahoma. So her saying that my family told me this is not what the controversy should be about. The controversy is her saying that she did not put it on a form when she infected. It's well, brilliant. Ancestry.com and
16: 23andMe have surprised a lot
29: of people. Sure. Yes. Well, we got. I also want to respond to something that Rebecca Nagel said, Um, you know, in full disclosure, my husband has been consulting for Elizabeth Warren. um, But, you know, we're not the same people. We're not the same person, although we are not like the Conway's. Right. He wouldn't work for somebody (laughs) if um, we didn't both support what she stood for. But I just want to say that Elizabeth Warren did, in fact, have a Native American ancestor and grew up believing that this was part of her heritage and kind of identified with it. And, you know, I think wasn't I think she was mistaken and she obviously shouldn't have identified herself as Native American on that bar application. But she, this was, you know, kind of part of, if you watch that video, the video that's gotten her in so much trouble, her conservative brothers also say, you know, this was the story of our family that we grew up hearing. And so that is, to me, is very different than this president that is basically sneering at genocide or using it as a sort of laugh line on Twitter.
13: Let me let Rebecca really quickly respond to that.
29: Yeah, so um,
17: that's completely false. Warren has zero Cherokee ancestry. Genealogist in 2012 did her genealogy. That's what that's what Cherokee genealogists do when somebody claims to be Cherokee. And who Warren's family is is not a mystery. She comes from a well from a line of very well documented white people going back to before the Trail of Tears. So her ancestors that she claims are the Cherokee people in her family are on the census as white at times when actual Cherokee people weren't on the census at all because we weren't considered citizens, let alone humans.
13: Well, let me ask you this question, the other
17: thing that we Mm -hmm. checked, the other thing that we checked, and this is really important for people to understand, is that Cherokee people are one of the most well-documented people in the world. We're right up there with royalty, and that's because we endured genocide. And so, you know, before we were removed, while we were being removed, when our land was being allotted out and our treaty territory was being dissolved, at all these moments, Every living Cherokee was documented. There are over 45 rolls of Cherokee people between the 1810s and the 1910s. And Cherokee genealogists went, looked at Warren's family tree, and then cross-referenced her relatives with those 45 rolls and looked for them, and they're not there. So there is no evidence that she has a single Cherokee ancestor. The only evidence she has is this race-based science of a DNA test, which you cannot use to lay claim to any tribe or any relationship to any tribe. And people don't know that. Like, the average American citizen doesn't know that. And she benefits from that confusion and that misinformation. And that's why she still needs to apologize and set the record straight, because she, she is still allowing people to believe
13: the myths
17: about Cherokee
13: identity. Well, let me ask you this question, Rebecca, and, I, and, and I, this sort of goes to, and M- M- Michelle can certainly formulate her questions herself, and you can correct me if I'm, not, if I'm wrong, is, is, what, is, is the question of whether or not um, Elizabeth Warren was intending to somehow harm or, you know, use the Cherokee community in some way, which that, you know, putting it on a forum could indicate, or whether or not she was responding to something that she was told by her family.
17: Yeah, I mean, I think I have patience for Warren making those claims early on, but Mm -hmm. she's been approached by Cherokee people now for the past six years with strong evidence that the story that she was told as a family isn't true. Mm -hmm. And she's continued to tell it. And I think that, you know, she's a U.S. lawmaker who's running for president. If there's any body of people for whom we should hold accountable for the impact of their actions and not just the intention, surely it's people who are in the U.S. Senate. Surely it's people who are president whose actions will have huge impacts on the daily lives of Americans. You know, she needs to be responsible more than anybody for the impact of her actions. And I would just say, too, that, um, Stories about great, great, great Cherokee grandmas. It's always grandmas. You would think that, you know, a few hundred years ago, our tribe was a hundred percent women. <laughs> it's just, you know, all, mm-hmm. everything about it defies the logic of basic biology. But anyways, the so her great, great grandma somebody is Cherokee. Those common those stories are extremely common among white people, especially in Oklahoma. You know, on the last U.S. Census, twice as many people mark down that they're a Cherokee, then are eligible to register in the three Cherokee tribes. So that's nearly half a million people. So Warren isn't alone in this, but that doesn't make it any more right, that the sort of myth and lore of having a great, great Cherokee grandma is something a lot of white people claim doesn't mean that those white people get to claim that just because that's what they were told growing up.
13: Right. And, and let me bring Maria Kumar in, into this conversation, because, the, you know, one of the kind of um, outgrowths of the Trump era is that we're actually having some of these really important conversations mm-hmm. about identity and about race and about confronting some of the demons that lurk in the history of the United States, to be blunt. And this is one of
8: what, what has really struck me. Joan, I just got to say this. Um. Uh, uh, You know, there there are now a collection of candidates uh, for this nomination. And I think there's only a single straight white guy in the entire bunch, which is a real shift from any election pass that we've seen and a sign of the diversity in that party.
25: Mm -hmm. It really is something. Another woman announced uh, uh, earlier this weekend, Elizabeth Warren. And and, uh, I'm just curious, uh, Adrian Elrod, how do you think... Uh, her announcement was, and uh, am I the only person in America who thinks the Native American uh, controversy is something that probably will not uh, last uh, into the spring?
18: Yeah, Joe, I think you're exactly right. I mean, Elizabeth Warren has done such a fantastic job of really staying on message.
1: No, Joe, just because you fuck me, Mika doesn't make you have any integrity, I guess, because it's not going away. It's not going away. Those are sound bites of people literally saying it's not going away. You can try, but she lied. She's not winning the nomination. I've been tweeting for a week. All this coverage I'm doing is just to cover it really quick. But the reality is, the moment a gay, person of color, woman shows the fuck up, they're winning the nomination. So right now, Harris has got the best chance because she's a woman, and she's a person of color. Booker, if he actually comes out and say he is gay, which I don't think he is, but there's so many hints, and I wouldn't put it past him. He's Spartacus. I'll pretend I'm gay. He'd have the gay checkpoint or checkmark, and he'd have the fucking uh, person of color, and then he'd be neck and neck with her. But we're talking the intersectionality checklist. If you ain't got enough checks, you're not winning. I know the polls are saying Biden. But the base, you got to have check marks. You need a lot of check marks up in this bitch. And a lot of you don't have them. Massachusetts pushes extreme abortion bill. Yeah, it's the same. Live birth, go fuck yourself. Just just go fuck yourself. If you're a Christian, don't live in those states. So that covers Warren. Here is Klobuchar's run up or roll out.
30: We're going to turn next tonight to the candidates who want to take on President Trump in 2020. The list growing, two major names officially announcing over the weekend, and quickly taking aim at the president. Here's ABC's Mary Bruce.
22: In the middle of a Minnesota snowstorm. We don't let a little snow stop us. Senator Amy Klobuchar promising her moderate politics and Midwestern roots will win over key states that handed Donald Trump the White House.
4: I don't have a political machine.
22: I don't come from money, but what I do have is this, I have grit. On Good Morning America, Klobuchar asked about recent reports that she's a tough boss.
27: What do you think is fair about that criticism, and what have you learned from it? Mm-hmm.
16: Well, first of all, I love my staff. I am tough. I push people, that is true. but. My point is is that I have high expectations for myself. I have high expectations for the people that work for me. And I have high
27: expectations for this country. Welcome. Thank you, Jeremy. So we all saw you push those words out. What does it feel like to say that I'm running for president of the United States? What do you bring to the race that no one else is offering, that only you are bringing? You posed some challenges to Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. running against him. She never quite figured it out. How do you handle... Things like the tweets, things Mm -hmm. like being called names. One of the raps on using your tough boss, as you know, that several stories have come out in the last week, high staff turnover in the Senate. What do you think is fair about that criticism, and what have you learned from it? Mm -hmm. Are you ready for all the scrutiny that comes of running for president? Uh, Yes, I am. Yeah, she's getting pretty easy
1: coverage for what's known about her. Keith Boykin, if nothing else, Amy Klobuchar earns my respect for announcing 2020 presidential campaign in the midst of a snowstorm. But that's not the only problem she faces. Just days before the initiation of her candidacy, reports were established contain accounts of demeaning emails, thrown office of supplies and requests to staff to perform personal chores. Molly Redden, Amy Klobuchar mistreated her office staff began more than a decade ago and eventually caused such a concern that Harry Reid asked her privately to cut it out. Steve guessed, I have always believed in doing my job without fear. Did she ask her staff? BuzzFeed reports on Friday, staffers' documents show Amy Klobuchar wrath toward her. Started firing off binders loaded into a t-shirt cannon and the crowd strikes because that's what she did. It's not office supplies. She threw a fucking binder full of women at him. Whole story, BuzzFeed, Amy Klobuchar reportedly threw binders at staff. There's talk that she made people shave her fucking legs. This is why three people bolted when dim senators asked them to run her expected 2020 campaign. Yashua Ali, it's true stories like this aren't written about men, but this story by Med Medtredin and Turkle is important because Klobuchar behavior isn't about a woman speaking up and being framed as mean. It's about a senator with has a history of abusive behavior. It's been an open secret. Many Senate staffers I spoke to have Klobuchar stories. Several are referred to as the Sheila Jackson Lee of the Senate. Not a compliment. And the fact that she has the number one turnover in Senate is very, very telling. Huffington Post. All these come from lefties. I didn't get this in the Daily Caller. Mistreatment of staff scarred off scared off candidate to manage a presidential bid. At least three at least three people withdrew from consideration to lead the Senate nascent campaign in part because of her mistreating staff. Large article breaks it down, shaved legs. Amy Klobuchar, good time last night with a great team at Boom Island Brewery, good jazz, and I'm glad we got out of the cold for a few hours to visit this local, homegrown brewery. This is the same Amy Klobuchar. She then asked Kavanaugh if he ever drank so much. He didn't remember what happened the night before. You're asking about a blackout? I don't know. Have you? He responded. Could you answer the question, Judge. She said, looking somewhat surprised by the response. So you have that's not happened? Is that your answer? Yeah, I'm curious if you have. I have no drinking problem, judge, she said. Nor do I, Kavanaugh concluded. Yeah, come on. Come on. These people have no fucking goddamn... They don't have a conscience. They, they can say shit like that all the time. They don't give a fuck. I mean, seriously, they don't give a fuck. These people are just all sorts of fucked up. And then we got Booker. Still, opposition to Naomi Rowe and Patrick Bumte show identity politics is a total con. Going out of two people, people of color, all because of their religious convictions. It got so bad, I'm not going to read the articles, here's Mike Lee addressing it. So this is the second conservative to address it.
9: Two and a half minutes to Senator Lee. The problem with asking a nominee about the particulars of his or her religious beliefs is that those questions inevitably expose those beliefs as somehow a qualifier or a disqualifier for public office that is flatly inconsistent with at least the letter, at least the spirit, if not also the letter, of at least two provisions of the Constitution. I cannot fathom why this would ever makes sense to do. There was a time in this country when people might have been asked in a job interview context or in the context of a hearing like those we hold here, whether someone believed in God, whether they were Christian. When they might have been asked those, it was not for a a good reason because there is never a good reason in a public setting to ask that question. Save perhaps if you just want to make sure that that person's religious beliefs do not require that person to betray the judicial oath. Beyond that, I can't fathom a circumstance in which that would be appropriate. So I would ask Senator Hirono, in what circumstance, in what way, shape, or form, is asking Naomi Rao whether she believes particular conduct to be sinful an appropriate question to be asked in this committee, ever?
31: May I respond?
9: Uh, Yes, please. uh,
29: these, These probing questions... Uh, I, I, if you were to list all of the questions that we ask, they have to do with whether or not these nominees very strongly held religious views, as well as any other views that may not enable them to be objective as judges in lifetime positions. I think that's a legitimate area of inquiry. And it is not that we all ask, uh, do you think such and such is a sin, et cetera, et cetera. Although, well, that was asked that this
9: week. Yeah, this well, week it was asked. I, I'm not making this up. Well,
29: I,
1: I,
9: I want you to imagine a conservative
1: questioning a Muslim nominee for anything and saying, is it true you went to a mosque that believes that it's okay to stone to death gays? Is it true you went to a madrasa?" That actually has tossed people off roofs because they were gay would that fly in our media because right now what flies is that you can just say uh, your church believes it doesn't believe in gay marriage there's not a Christian church that does by the way a real Christian church. These new wave churches, sure. Yeah, they, they just kind of do a loose interpretation of God and that's their thing. That's their shtick and that's fine. Not criticizing it. But Baptists... I mean, you can line up fucking every black goddamn senator and congressman that goes to a Baptist church in the South and say the very same thing. Why well, don't think you should be in charge of the Intel uh, select intel fucking committee because your church... Doesn't do gay marriages. Media doesn't even think that's inappropriate. They do not even touched it. They think it's great. You have two strikes right there. People of color. And a religious test. That's how extreme the left is, because they have to be. That's their base. And then Booker went out and said this. The tragic reality is the planet simply can sustain billions of people consuming industrial-produced animal agriculture because of the environmental impact. See that key word there? He didn't want to say meat, but that's what he's talking about. It's just not possible. As China and Africa move towards consuming meat the same way America does, because we don't have enough land, the number one reason for rainforest destruction right now Is animal grazing land. We see greenhouse producing gases produced. The devastating impact is just not practical. The numbers just don't add up. We will destroy our planet unless we start figuring out a better way to forward when it comes to our climate change and our environment. Yeah, we ain't got enough meat. We have meat all over the goddamn place. There's meat in every place on the planet. We've exponentially grown as a fucking species. And we just grew more cows. What is up with the left hating on cows? I told my wife, I want to go buy a cow. And just put it in the front yard. Put a pan right there and go, fuck you liberals. This is my cow. I feed him extra fiber so he farts twice the amount of a normal cow. And then I'm going to eat him. Which I probably wouldn't because then my wife would name him. It would be all creepy. We'd be eating. I'd be like, God damn it. Frank tastes fucking amazing. That porterhouse is the shit. And Gigi would just start crying. Oh, you killed Frank. It just wouldn't work. So there's a quick hit on 2020. No clown car yet. No, oh, how many candidates are going to run. No vetting of any of this. There's no talk about how Klobuchar threw fucking binders of people. How Booker is doing a religious test. How Warren is a fucking lion sack of fucking shit. How Harris fucked her way into politics. And, oh, by the way, I didn't cover it because you probably all heard it. Said she smoked weed when Tupac was out. And if that was the case, she was a fucking prosecutor. Putting black youth in jail while she was getting high to Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't make any. No, no, no. We don't care. These are allies. They're our friends! They are forward facing. There's even people pissed off that AOC and her ban everything can't run because she isn't old enough. Garbage. Just our media is garbage. And that segues into our bias. Here is SNL. Promoting these fucking idiots.
14: Once upon a time, there were women. And then they became fed up women. And then they became Congress women. They fight crime. They right wrongs. They wear white, but they're not all white. And we love that. They're the women of Congress. Featuring Nancy, Madam Clapback Pelosi. I'm
6: so bold, I can't close my eyes.
14: Alexandria, I say what I mean, Ocasio Cortez.
18: You're trying to rip apart my Green New Deal? Leave me alone. I will
4: dog walk you.
14: Maxine, don't go chasing walkers. They called me Auntie Maxine, but I'm going to make Trump say uncle. Kristen, (laughs) kooky Arizona lady (laughs) cinnamon.
20: I used to be in the House, but now I'm in the Senate. I'm bicameral,
32: bipartisan, and bi. Deal with
14: it. Ilhan, get the hijab done, Omar.
32: I'm a proud Muslim woman and proud American. And when Ted Cruz sees me, he crosses the street.
14: And a raise the roof custom. Raise
26: the roof and break that glass ceiling.
14: Abigail, say my name, say my name, Spamberg.
26: My opponent thought he could hurt me by saying a vote for me was a vote for Nancy Pelosi. Uh huh. How did that work out? Good?
14: And Rashida, impeach the mother to leave.
32: Impeach the mother,
7: bitch. They
23: are the women of Congress.
7: Ladies, we have a message from President Trump.
23: Congratulations, women of Congress. You know, since I've been president, we have more women serving in Congress than ever before.
3: You
17: don't get to take credit for that. It's not because of you. you. That's because of you. You're
15: not 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 rich. They are the women of Congress.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. None of them got the Palin treatment. They never will. doesn't matter what they do. I mean... If there were Republicans, there would be a skit this weekend of somebody throwing a binder at a motherfucker. Somebody wearing an Indian headdress walking in going, yeah, yeah, I'm running for president. I'm a whitey. That that would all happen. There would be skits about Harris smoking weed and then calling the judge, yeah, uh, let's go for life sentence. And Booker playing Spartacus. No meat for you, but meat for me. CNN, of course, is cnn so our first bias hit is seltzer dogging this instantly the moment abrams from the new york times the ex-editor said that that it's just anti-trump paper everybody starts searching now they're saying she's a plagiarist so he didn't talk about how the paper is anti-trump paper because goddamn, it's reliable sources we can't do that so he's dogging her because she spoke cooper Losing it because people are calling out CNN. A new tape is released showing they were there early. They weren't just doing a hit; they knew. They got inside video for Christ's sake. Yeah, Cuomo. Once again, we went on the doctor is full of shit. Trump can't be healthy, and he had the balls, this narcissist, narcissist, to show a video of him working out. And then Tobin literally has the balls to say Fox is just there to fulfill the viewer's previously designed thought process. Yet every Chiron on CNN is anti-conservative. These people are fucking garbage people.
27: It's been applauded. It's been praised for capturing how the news business is changing. And the book does do that. Uh, But the book also contains passages that are plagiarized from other sources. Abramson was a former executive editor at the New York Times. So this scandal has sent shockwaves throughout the journalism world. It was Vice News correspondent Michael Moynihan who first called out these examples of of what he called plagiarism, including this passage that seems to have been lifted from the Ryerson Review of Journalism almost word for word. There's also another one he he spotted that appears to be a passage taken from Time Out magazine. You can see here how it's almost exactly word for word. CNN's Oliver Darcy also uncovered two additional examples of text that appear to be lifted from other sources, and he's published those examples on CNN.com. Now, I'm grateful that Jill uh, has agreed to join me here uh, to respond to these allegations. Uh, She's here with me uh, on set. Jill, full disclosure to the audience. You and I worked together at the New York Times. You were the top editor there. Wouldn't these examples meet the Times' definition of plagiarism? it would mean that it would meet the Times' uh,
16: definition of things that should be promptly corrected. And sometimes, you know, a quote isn't attributed correctly in the newspaper, and that's corrected, and that's what I have endeavored to do here. And, Brian, you know, I would never purposely take credit for the work of another journalist or writer. Uh, this is a situation where, in fact, the Ryerson one that, that you showed earlier, that is credited in other footnotes. This was a case in which doing 70 pages of something that are called trailing footnotes, there are a few that dropped out, and I feel terrible about that. but. Ryerson is credited, I think, twice in 70 pages of footnotes.
27: But even if I include a footnote, I still can't steal their words, word for word, the way that you Well, if you
16: give them proper credit, you can, But uh, not
27: in a book. It doesn't matter if I put a footnote 300 pages later. If I do that in a book, that's plagiarism. That's word for word stealing of other people's work.
16: Well that you know, that's your your position. I, I don't don't see it that way. But it meets yeah. the
27: Harvard definition of plagiarism and you work at Harvard. It meets the I New do, York Times indeed. definition of plagiarism where you worked. You're saying don't plagiarize.
16: I'm saying that I made some errors in the way I credited sources, but that there was no attempt to pass off someone's ideas, opinions and phrasings as my own. These were all factual passages that unfortunately did not max, match up exactly to the right footnotes but they are credited in the footnotes elsewhere right they're credited at the very end of the
27: book but the words are stolen from other sources the actual words and I guess where I'm coming from here is well in trailing if, footnotes are always at the end footnotes are always at the end but footnotes are not sufficient you have to say in the text that you're taking the words from another source well, in That's some what I
16: cases, taught. I wish. Well, you know, in narrative book writing, it isn't exactly the same as journalism. But What about the people but that feel let you me, plagiarize Can them? I finish? I'm just saying I, I have reviewed these examples extremely carefully. I take these, you know, criticisms extremely seriously. I've gone back through even my original manuscripts pages to try yeah. to chase down how this happened. Yeah. And, you know, they just, you know,
31: they're. You begin, though, keeping them honest with the Democrats' first big televised hearing and what's expected to be a parade of them as they look into all corners of the Trump presidency. Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker today going before the House Judiciary Committee. He confirmed he's been fully briefed on the Russia investigation. He denied ever talking to President Trump about it or in any way interfering with the probe. That said, no one pretends that congressional hearings are even remotely about the witness letting it all hang out. Their adversarial encounters and revelations, if any, come grudgingly. Today was no exception. The acting attorney general did his best to say as little as possible. Lawmakers at times talked more than he did, which is almost always the case. You may call the effort today grandstanding or sincere pursuit of the truth, or perhaps a little bit of both. Here's a sampling.
23: The time for this administration to postpone accountability... Is over.
30: I do not intend today to talk about my private conversations with the President of the United States.
9: This is a Department of Justice oversight hearing,
28: supposedly, oops, oops, I'm sorry. Back to theatrics again. The curtain opened up, and we found out what was really going on. No, we want to damage the President. I have not talked to
30: the President of the United States about the special counsel's investigation. We have followed the special counsel's regulations to a T. Have you been asked
19: to approve or disapprove a request or action to be taken by the special counsel. Point of order,
33: Mr. Chairman.
30: I've asked the question.
8: Point of order, Mr. Chairman.
30: Point of order is not in order until the question is answered. We're
8: not operating under the five minute rule anymore, then.
30: Mr. Chairman, uh, I see that your five minutes is up, and so uh, <laughs> I'm. We, 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 I am. Here, I'm here voluntarily. I, we have agreed to five minute rounds.
15: I don't know what kind of suicide wish you had or whatever, but. Um, it's good to see you. I'm confused. I really am. We're all trying to figure out who
9: are you, where did you come from, and how the heck did you become the head of the Department of Justice? Would you say special the special
8: counsel's investigation
9: is a witch hunt? Are you overseeing a witch
33: hunt,
30: Congressman, as I've mentioned previously, the special counsel's investigation is an ongoing investigation. And so I think it would be inappropriate for me to... But you wouldn't oversee
9: a witch hunt, would you? You'd stop a witch hunt, wouldn't you? You know what's under the redactions, Mr. Whitaker? I do, sir. You do? Let me frame it this way. Did Rod Rosenstein give the special counsel the authority to investigate specific Americans? Is Mr. Mueller honest?
30: Congressman, I, I have been on the record about my respect for Bob Mueller and his ability to conduct this investigation. Do you believe he's honest, yes or no? I have no reason to believe he's not honest, so yes. Did the president
33: lash out at you? I'm not asking what he tweeted. I don't have a lot of confidence in the veracity of his tweets. I'm asking you under oath.
30: Congressman, that is based on an unsubstantiated...
33: Sir, answer the question, yes or no. Did the president lash out to you about Mr. Cohen's guilty plea?
30: No, he
31: did not. Well, that was Rhode Island Democrat uh, David Cicilline. He joins us momentarily. There was another moment... Of note at the hearing today, two Republicans, including ranking member Doug Collins of Georgia, raised the issue of Roger Stone's arrest in Florida, which CNN was there exclusively to cover, suggesting, along with the acting attorney general, that there was perhaps something nefarious about CNN's presence there.
1: Are you familiar from public reports or otherwise that a CNN reporter was camped out outside of Stone's house when the FBI arrested him?
30: this wouldn't be part of the investigation. I, of the investigation. I, am, I am aware of that, and it was, it was deep, deeply concerning to me as to how CNN um, found out about
1: that. Well, that is a, I'm glad we're going down that road, Mr. Attorney General, because did somebody at the Department of Justice seemingly share a
10: draft indictment with CNN prior to Stone's arrest prior, or prior to a grand jury's finding of a true bill?
31: Now, keeping them honest, this should be on our ridiculous. CNN's been very upfront from the start about how we came to be there early that morning. In fact, we wrote a full piece on it. The day of the arrest and Congressman Collins likely knows the real story, but we can only guess he chose to suggest some shadowy conspiracy because it tucks neatly into the idea that the so-called mainstream media is in cahoots with the special counsel. As I said, uh, we can only guess because the, we invited the congressman on the program tonight and shocker, he declined. The truth is we got the scoop through plain old shoe leather reporting and a little luck. CNN producer and photojournalist were there because our ongoing reporting at the courthouse in Washington where the Mueller grand jury meets as well as his team's comings and goings, led us to suspect an arrest might be imminent. Armed with that, our team was just staking out Stone's house. They arrived about an hour before FBI agents went in. No tip-off, just hard work. That's what it looked like on the Hill today. For the view from the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, I want to go now to Sina Chimacosta at the White House. What's the reaction been from the White House on the, uh, the hearing today?
15: Well, Anderson, so far no uh, no reaction from the president yet. We did hear from him yesterday saying that he thought uh, Whitaker would do a good job. Uh, and my understanding from talking to uh, sources over here, I talked to one White House official earlier this evening who said that uh, they thought uh, that the hearing for Matt Whitaker went about as expected. Uh, and the one uh, item that they were really listening for was that exchange over whether or not Matt Whitaker had briefed the president on the Mueller investigation, and when Whitaker denied that, they felt over here that that pretty much matched up with what the President has said at the past, in the past, and according to this White House official, uh, who I spoke with earlier this evening, the President and Matt Whitaker, Whitaker have not had a discussion about the Mueller investigation, and that's their story over here, and they're sticking to it. Uh, but uh, but keep in mind, Anderson, uh, Matt Whitaker, you might say his five minutes are almost up here in Washington. He's really just holding down the fort over at the Justice Department, and it, what really matters is what uh, the incoming Attorney General that we expect to be the end Coming Attorney General William Barr and what he does uh, with the Mueller investigation. And he gave a lot of tea leaves during his confirmation process, and really both sides took away some, some comfort that he may be a straight shooter in all of this. Uh, but Anderson, make no mistake, uh, Matt Whitaker is going to go down as somebody who pretty much said what the president wanted to hear, uh, and and that is partly why he had this job. He was not going to recuse himself in this investigation, uh, and while he did not interfere with the Mueller probe, uh, he certainly made his feelings known about it before he got this job. Uh, There were lawmakers who tried to poke and prod and, and, I guess, throw him off as talking points today, but when the White House Anderson is telling us this evening that they felt like it went about as expected, their feeling over here, Anderson, is that uh, Matt Whitaker escaped from this process pretty much unscathed. And for the White House, which has been in desperate search of a win lately, uh, the, I think they got one with Matt Whitaker's testimony, despite all those fireworks that we saw today.
31: Mm-hmm. Anderson, Jim Acosta, thanks very much. Appreciate it. A moment ago, you heard a portion, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a court, portion of the uh, questioning from Congressman David Cicilline. He's a Democrat from Rhode Island. He joins us now. Congressman, thanks for being with us. I apologize for my. Cough, my cold. Uh, Today, while while under oath, Acting Attorney General uh, Whitaker said that he had not talked to the president about the Mueller investigation. That he hasn't interfered in the investigation in any way or blocked the funding. Did those answers give you comfort that he's handled the Mueller investigation properly?
33: No, not at all. In fact, the real question is, how did Matthew Whitaker become the acting attorney general? It was clear from his public statements, from the things he wrote, that he was auditioning for a job in the Trump administration and was a critic of Robert Mueller, a critic of the investigation, uh, said all kinds of things which suggested that he had made decisions about uh, whether or not this investigation should even go forward. He's then plucked out uh, of the attorney general's office. He was the attorney general's chief of staff. The president ignored a statute that says, here's a succession of Senate-confirmed people who should replace uh, the Attorney General in a vacancy. The President ignored that process, and you have to wonder why. Why did he pick Mr. Whitaker? The hearing today makes it very clear the reason he picked Mr. Whitaker was because he already had views that he was going to protect the president. And although he says he didn't talk to the president, he couldn't remember whether other people uh, that he had shared the information uh, that he received from the special counsel with other members of his staff, and he couldn't answer the question as whether or not they shared that information with officials at the White House or the president. So he was very evasive. He was clearly contemptuous of Congress, didn't believe he should be participating in an oversight hearing. I think it was very clear he should have recused himself, but we're not done with him. Uh, He didn't answer many questions, and we intend to bring him back uh, in a deposition before the committee so we can get those answers. I mean, it is
31: surprising that the acting attorney general would not say categorically that the Mueller investigation uh, is not a witch hunt.
33: Yeah, I mean, it was shocking. I mean, here it is. He says he respects Mr. Muller. He's an honest man. He respects the men and women of the department. But he would not. He was fearful because he had an audience of one. He knew the president was watching him, and he could not say anything that would uh, draw the uh, uh, anger of the president because my guess is he wants to continue to work in the Trump administration. It was an audition for the president He didn't answer questions that the committee asked. He was really contemptuous. I mean, every time we got to the important issues of what was shared uh, in terms of the information he received from the special counsel, he danced around uh, and really refused to answer the questions.
31: You you referenced this. There there are those tweets and commentary that Whitaker made before he was named the acting attorney general that were critical of the investigation. Is there any real evidence, though, that you know of that indicates he's acted improperly in any way when it comes to the Mueller investigation while being the acting attorney general.
33: Well, we just don't know, because he would not answer today about conversations he had with the president. He would not answer or could not answer whether the information he learned from the briefing from Mr. Mueller was communicated to the White House or the president's legal counsel by others. Uh, so we have many more questions.
25: He will remain so for the duration of his presidency and beyond let's bring in d lemon uh, despite some not great habits he is healthy wealthy
23: and likes fries <laughs> yeah, what happened to wise what what happened to healthy wealthy oh is and that wise? part i
25: didn't know that was part of these <laughs> uh
23: yeah he well, he's healthy he has uh, a common form of heart disease right as well as high cholesterol so um you know a lot of americans have that uh, but the thing that you talked about where he, he hasn't set foot in the fitness room, you know why he hasn't done that, right? Yeah, he and people that, think we're kidding. No, he thinks, and it's been documented that through interviews and through people who have written yeah. about him, that energy is, it's like we're like batteries, yeah. that we have a finite amount of energy.
25: <laughs> it's true. He I really believes that. He tells out. stories where he says, how many guys have you known who are in their 40s or 50s and they run all the time, they work, and then they just drop dead of a heart attack? They ran out of energy. He really yeah, th- believes that, and I got to tell you, you know, maybe, uh, there's nothing to that idea. But maybe people yeah. put too much emphasis on physical greatness and you know lifting huge weights and being jacked and being super healthy. You know, maybe Are you talking about yourself? it doesn't. I was no, no, no. Say, I'm saying maybe we shouldn't oh, have these kinds of get, oh impractical standards where people lift small cars, you know, the equivalent over their head like it was nothing. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't ask that of people. Maybe it's an Have unreasonable you no shame, standard.
23: Mr. Cuomo. And guess what? Those people know that those are empty, right? Those are like plastic things that are empty. Literally, uh, yeah. the average man would crumble and lose all his energy if he tried to lift
25: that weight. But don't worry, I took care of you. I got you working out too. Put up the picture done. There, there you, are. you are. There you are. Look at you. There's
23: <laughs> you getting after it. See? I, I'm living my best life. That was in Santa Barbara, California, and my dog was serving me tennis balls, and I was playing tennis. That—that that is my child. You got now, some. Do have to you, tell you tell got you, some cankles on you. Look at the size of those cankles <laughs> you got there. Don't be. Look, those are naturally some big, big knees. I was about to say, fine. You know what? You got legs. some big knees. No. You're Those built like nice a doll. Gans. you got, like, no cuts on you at all. You're all smooth. I'm beautiful. What's wrong with perfection? Nothing. Well, That's what I'm
25: saying. Perfection. You don't have to lift all these heavy weights and sweat and work out and be jacked. You can just look like that.
23: You're fine. No, I do. Uh, listen, I do work out with a trainer, but listen, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anything to prove. 88? Okay. I'm, I I'm eighty nine who I am. 90. 100. No, you're, you're, you're like man. <laughs> no, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm a man of a certain age. I have nothing to prove. I don't have to do marathons. I work out for myself, for my health, and for my well-being, for my mental health. I love life. I will never have a six-pack. You know why? Because I also love food. And I also love to sleep. And there is no shame in my game. (laughs) i got to tell you one more thing. i got one more thing. Yes. So I was on an entertainment show uh, today, and they asked me about our relationship. And they asked me about you. And you know what I said? What I always say to you. I, <laughs> Best looking man you ever you know, met in your life, except for yourself? No. I told him, first of all, your hair, your, your hair was not real. By the way, you got a smaller toupee today. That's yeah. nice. It looks good. You know how much it costs to get this thing trimmed? I know. They got a read. And secondly, in. I said, no one loves Chris more than Chris. That's And not if true. you don't believe I me, to be just- high-
3: But I mean, it, it's just. And and, and remember, there's also the incredibly reliable uh, presence of Fox News. I don't think Sean Hannity is going to read Mueller's report and say, oh my goodness, I think he's got some good points there. No, you know, Fox News exists to ratify the biases of the people who who already watch it, and that's what it's going to do. And and so I just don't think the the locked-in partisan divisions that we have seen for the past two years are going to change based on... Uh, whatever Mueller says. You, you may be right, uh, but, but wasn't it the case in Watergate that Nixon had maintained a certain amount of support and then finally there was a breaking point where he got down to, I think it was 25% or so by the time he resigned? Yeah, it, it, I mean, yes, it's true, but I think 1974 is very different. You're right, it 18. is. I, 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 I think the the almost complete elimination of the moderate Republican as a political force um, is 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 the most significant. I think Fox News is a significant force. I mean there was no Fox News in 1974. So so I just think that the um you you're right that, that Nixon's support eventually fell away, but I, I mean I, I did a profile of, of Adam Schiff for the New Yorker and and he said um, you know, he's been reading about Watergate. You know, for obvious reasons, he's been interested, and he thinks that you know the 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 difference in the Republican Party and the existence of Fox News really makes uh, par- comparisons between the two um, not 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 valid. Uh, Geraldo Rivera said, "If Sean Hannity had existed in 1974, Nixon would still be president." <laughs> In, and, in 2019 yeah he, he would nixon would have been president for 40 years yeah yeah uh <laughs> he would have been he would have stayed he, would, even he wouldn't even after have, 20 years after no stay. i just mean he would have, uh, he wouldn't yeah, no, resign i'm kidding no i know yeah. what you mean yeah, yeah no, i i think uh i i, I think has a point.
1: so two journalists after this report was released ronald Klein. no doctor could predict someone's future health Another one, this is a disgrace to an office with great tradition of professionalism, just another institution turned into a joke by President, determined to make anyone willing to submit an instrument of his lies. This reads like a DPRK press release. Because it said he should be healthy in the future. Nick Searcy, exact same sentence was written on the final page of Obama's physical, you straw-grasping hypocritical hack. 2010, 2016, Yossi Gessner, look at the language used for Obama in 2010 and 2016, now block me because I don't. Think either of you have the integrity to admit that you were wrong and to retract your fake news. History shows it's nothing with Trump-destroying institutions as a standard language. 2011, President is at excellent health and fit for duty. All clinical data indicates that he will remain so for the duration of his presidency. 2014, POTUS overall health is excellent. All clinical data indicates he will remain so for the duration of his presidency.
31: hmm.
1: They're, they're, they, have no integrity. They've always said that, but they have to pick at something. I mean, they tried to ruin this motherfucker last time. Then CNN writer defends prostitution, sex workers oppressed by society's moral objections. I'm not even reading it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read it. Then we have a positive one. Here is Molly. Hemingway,
9: Molly, with two accusers now saying that Justin Fairfax sexually assaulted them or raped them in the early 2000s, do you see a difference between this coverage and the way the media handled the allegations from 35 years ago? Against Brett Kavanaugh during those Supreme Court hearings.
29: Yeah, in many ways, the I mean, this is a sad story in its substance, and, and there's a lot that will have to be recorded. From a media angle, I think the Washington Post comes out looking very poorly. They say they didn't run with the Justin Fairfax story, even though they had they had this information about him last year because Never they didn't they have they didn't have enough to go on. When in fact, you know, you have a person who's making an allegation with a specific time and date, and he concedes that there was a sexual encounter between the two. It doesn't seem like they ran that story down hard. But but having said that. That's fine if they didn't run it. But then to run the Brett Kavanaugh allegations when there was no corroboration for any of that and you didn't even have the specifics of a date, a location, a year, you didn't have any corroborating evidence. That makes it seem that makes the Washington Post look bad and it makes it look like they are willing to go with allegations for political reasons.
1: It's night and day, and so is this. Megan Kelly versus Jimmy Fallon. I thought this was really interesting. Megan Kelly, she famously famously late of NBC, was fired not long ago from her NBC morning show, the New York Post, page six, headline, the Kelly story this way. Megan Kelly out at NBC after defending blackface. The post story began. Kelly is out on NBC following controversial comments she made about blackface this week. It took just 48 hours for Kelly to be cut from the network during a panel discussion on Kelly Today on Tuesday with Jenna Bush Hager, Jacob Sobroff, and Melissa Rivers. Kelly said, you do get in trouble if you're a white person who puts on blackface for Halloween, or a black person who puts on whiteface for Halloween. Back when I was a kid, that was okay just as long as you were dressed as a character. The former Fox News host, 47, apologized apologized to her staff in an email later that day, and on Wednesday, she made a public apology on air, and NBC, you see, has a strict no-tolerance policy for blackface. Oh wait, let's amend that. NBC has a strict no-tolerance policy for blackface, unless you are liberal Jimmy Fallon. Here is Fallon and blackface as comedian, Chris Rock. As a writer, Eddie Scary headline over the New York Post. Fallon has curiously fallen silent on the subject, and we've touched this. And in fact, unlike Megyn Kelly, Fallon wasn't just musing aloud about the propriety of doing blackface. He actually did an entire routine and blackface, and NBC did nothing. 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 Where's your standard? I mean, NBC is just extreme right now because they're trying to catch up To CNN on their extremities so they can keep their lead in the the fucking ratings. But it's true. You got Fallon, you got Kimmel, Silverman. My son was right. Jesus Christ, all these people have done it. Literally, not spoken. But Kelly was fired for just speaking in a conversation. She didn't say it was all right. She said times have changed in a long form manner. Howard Dean, Bredo draws 10,000, Trump 65. Garrett Hask, El Paso 65. Overflow 10 to 12K. Beto 7,000. Pre 6 to 9. Yeah. That was a thing this week. Crowd size. It'll never, it's Trump's fault for saying it for his inauguration, but wow. The strategy risk backlash for a party struggling to attract support. From women and people of color, the Republican Party has a new trio of Democratic villains: Rashid Talib, Elon Moammar, and Alexandra kozia Cortex. The House GOP midterm strategy, largely centered on trying to tie every Democrat to now Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and it failed spectacularly. So now GOP leaders, of the National Republican Congressional Committee, are turning to the superstars of the House Democrats' freshman class as their new targets. It's a move born in part out of desperation. House Democrats already have their ultimate nemesis in Trump, who's proven to be one of the best political and fundraising foils in U.S. history. And I'll read no more. That is Politico. Well, huge article that these idiots who are fucking up by the numbers and are outright Islamists, it's just Republicans pounce. No, it's not Republicans pounce. None of this is pouncing. This is pointing out what they're doing. It's what you do to Republicans all the time, Politico. But you put a full art it was the most embarrassing thing. I read the whole thing. It was embarrassing and lacked any journalistic integrity. And you know what else is lacked? As we close out this section, get ready to go to a music break. Guns. First, we have what apparently started as a home invasion turned quickly into a frightening scene for the suspects after the residents started shooting. Five shot and three dead after a home invasion in East Houston. That is like the fourth one I've done on this show. Oh, those poor victims who broke into somebody's house. The media is so biased now about guns They're the victim. It wasn't scary for the homeowner. Fuck you. You had a gun. You're a piece of shit. And right in line with it, MSDNC brings back hog. And he says this. Yeah.
16: But let me also ask you, does this speak to local action? You spoke of a number of local initiatives. Does this mean that it's going to be very hard to get agreement on congressional action that perhaps it has to be state by state, city by city?
28: Yeah, sometimes it does have to be state by state. And even at the state level, sometimes they don't want to work with us. That's why in Florida yesterday, along with uh, several family members of people that were lost in the shooting at my high school, we introduced uh, a ballot initiative that we're working on getting right now to ban assault weapons in our state, like the one that the shooter at my high school used, so that no other person can get their hands on them. Because the truth of the matter is... Weapons like the AR-15 have an effective range of over 1,500 meters. If you're using a weapon with an effective range of over 1,500 meters, you are not defending yourself. You are hunting a human being. And I don't think any civilian needs to have their hands on a military
31: weapon like that.
16: David Hogg, thank you so much. I think you're taking a gap year, and I know you're going to go on to, I think, Harvard next fall. Uh, You've got a lot ahead of you. We really look forward to talking to you frequently and hearing your reports back. Thank you very much.
1: I don't know where they're going to go with this. They're running out of ways to demean a rifle. But the last time I checked, which I did this morning when I took a dump, my two guns weren't hunting anything. They're they're in the safe. They were just sitting there looking at me, going, "Are you going to shoot me? Let's go target practicing." Yeah, they, they we're we're hunting people. And then late last night, this broke: Yasher Ali, new Democrat and Republicans tell NBC News and Senate Intelligent has uncovered no direct evidence of conspiracy between Trump campaign and Russia investigation. Ken Dillian, to be clear, the Senate Intelligence Committee has not found evidence exonerating Trump either. Because he got nuked off his first tweet, Senate has found no direct proof of conspiracy between Trump campaign and Russia. As you can expect, the resistance did not like this. This did not play well. And I've been saying it for two fucking years. There's nothing there. They're bringing up new investigations. The Senate is now expanding it last week or last podcast. Financial dealings. They're trying so hard to find something. No media backlash. Media angst and that's how we'll play out to a music break. These people were so sad yesterday that their perfect plan again Trump just isn't working out.
11: Charlie, Dan, I'm curious if you think the Republican Party has been sufficiently vigilant in policing bigotry within its own ranks, whether you're talking about Steve King. My colleague Jake Tapper brought up that Kevin McCarthy uh, weeks ago in the midst of the wall debate talked about uh, uh, what many took as an anti-Semitic comment, accusing George Soros of funding the caravan. Uh, Has your party uh, been sufficiently vigilant here calling out its own bad uh, behaviors and comments?
32: What are you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm I'm loco? I'm blinking, I'm thinking it's all over when I go out drinking Oh the grass but you know I don't take
6: it's time for news and social media
26: nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose
17: his mind it's a whole new ball game on campus these days and they call it pc
33: pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble
9: for instance
13: see
14: these girls
9: no you don't those are women you
14: call them girls and they'll pop your figs
26: Save the whales! Gaze yeah, in the military now! No sounds, I should
28: We this. back, Yeah. out.
6: What?
24: What? So I'm going to be the same thing you got
30: so, i
28: Yeah.
1: Right. If you the same thing the uh, These pigs want to blow my house down. I freaking love that song. I know I shouldn't, but that was a good song. Anyway, military corner, what you heard, this is just fucking insane. I flew in and out of Tucson for like a three year period at a store out there and it was the most fucked up TSA ever. They would almost cavity search my ass because I was ex-military. This is a guy in a fucking wheelchair and they're searching the wheelchair. Dude's a disabled vet. You're a fucking asshole. Like father, like son, 82nd soldiers jumped together. Master Sergeant Michael Marbray went with his private William Marbray on a jump. That's pretty fucking cool. General apologizes for wearing upside-down ribbon rack at the State of the Union. Joseph Lingell, a four-star. Who the fuck was your aide? My son-in-law, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Mike. What the fuck is up with your branch, bro? Going to the State of the Union with an upside-down rack? You Air Force guys get fucking awards for touching your dick. That's a lot of rack. It's a huge rack of ribbons. House passes bill to cover veterans' childcare during medical appointments. That's pretty fucking badass. And then this one. I looked this up just for shits and giggles. The U.S. Army is designing its first new grenade in 40 years, the ETMP replace the M67 frag. Designed for both offensive and defensive use, the new ETMP hand grenade is meant to be safer and more versatile hand grenade, handheld bomb. I don't know why they wrote it that way. Hand grenades are digitally divided into two categories, offensive and defensive. Defensive grenades are used against attacking enemy forces and usually have bodies made of steel, notched to explode in a deadly metal shrapnel. Think the grooves of the iconic MK2 Pineapple Grenade from World War II. Offensive hand grenades typically have smaller explosions to prevent them from harming advanced friendly troops. They kill or wound by concussion force. For decades, the U.S. Army has used different grenades to fulfill offensive and defensive requirements. On the offensive side, things have been lagging for a while. The Mark III grenade was retired in '75 after it was realized that the body of the grenade contained 50% asbestos. Fuck me! Both poor guys. Then the 67 came out as the U.S. Army's sole lethal hand grenade. Now, Army engineers engineers at Picatinny Arsenal in New Jersey are working on the ETMP grenade, which will use electronic controls to bring hand grenades in the 21st century. The result will be safer for the use. It has a timer. You can adjust the timer. It is fucking awesome. So, I was watching a show, they threw an old fucking pineapple grenade and I go man you know I wonder if they're ever going to upgrade the mar- grenade than they did Arlington National Cemetery quietly changes policy on full military honors for Medal of Honor heroes and POWs they get to go there um, technically under the rules as a combat vet E7 and above with the award I have I was told I could go but I don't want to go. That's for the real heroes. I'm going to be cremated and dumped in Kentucky Lake or Lake Barkley, one of them. So, All right, we're going to go into our college crazy. We're going to start it out with the people that you people on the left look up to. Here's De Niro pulling a Baldwin, and the media completely ignored it because he's an ally.
11: Spot was standing right where he dropped us off on Worth Street. What? The yeah. Get him. A- okay, I should have just waited for. You. I don't care if they chase you away. You tell the officer. I'm. What's the matter with you? Where are you? You're not in front. You're not where you dropped us off. War. On Worst Street. Then you'd see all the photographers out here. Oh, Jesus. No, you're not where you dropped us off. Let's
26: go back in the building. This is ridiculous.
25: It's a little over the top, I like it. It's
11: over the top. Okay, yeah, you would like to get enough shot. I
25: really. you,
14: you just stop. stop already, huh? Okay.
11: Not where you dropped us off.
6: Sorry.
11: And worse street then you'd see all oh. the photographers out here. Now no, you're not where you dropped us off.
9: Let's go back. I'll, I'll come.
1: if james woods did that nbc nightly news would lead it but baldwin could punch motherfuckers call them faggots garbage yale paper prints racist guide on how to destroy white boy lives like kavanaugh yale university published a significantly racist piece at least according to the new standard set forth by the pc police Mental mentality that has been recently published by the Democratic Party. According to the Federalists, ISIS David <clears throat> Marks, the Yale Daily News opinion editor, published a piece advising minority students to spy on white boy students. This is not an exaggeration. This is what she actually said Everyone knows a white boy with shiny brown hair and a saccharine smile that conceals his great ambition. He could be in the grand strategy of the Yale Political Union. Maybe he's the editor-in-chief of the news. He takes his classes. He he networks. And when it comes for graduation, he wins all the awards. Yeah. Just to put this paragraph in perspective, remove the word white and replace it with black. Is it racist? Oh, yeah. The double standard seems more and more evident each day. One day, I'll turn on television, or who knows, maybe televisions will be obsolete by this point, and I'll see him sitting down for a Senate confirmation hearing. Yes, he'll be a bit older with tiny wrinkles sprouting at the corners of his eye and a couple of gray hairs jutting out of the top of his widow's peak, windows peak. But the smile, that characteristic saccharine smile, remained the same. When I'm watching that white boy who's now a white man by this point on CNN, I'll remember a racist remark that he said, an unintentional utterance that he made when he had one drink too many at a frat party during his sophomore year. I'll recall a message that he accidentally left open on a computer where he forgot to log out of iMessage where he liked a woman's body to a particular large animal. I'll kick myself for getting to screenshot the evidence. Davis Mark's solution to what her and others can do to make the certain to destroy their lives, we allow things to skate by. We forget we say no, he couldn't have done that, or but he's so nice. No questions are asked when our friends accept job offers for companies that manufacture weapons or contribute to gentrification in cities. We merely smile at them and wave as we walk across our residential courtyard and do nothing. 30 years later, we kick ourselves when it's too late. But I can't do that anymore. I can't let things slip by. I'm watching you, white boy. And at this time, I'm taking the screenshot. Remember, they hate you. And she's white, by the way. They just hate you. Unless you're gay as a white male... They hate you. College newspaper writer says it's fine that conservatives feel their beliefs aren't welcome on campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see. uh, Across country at schools like ours, college right-wingers say they face social isolation because of their beliefs. He then cited an article published last semester in a student paper that profiled conservatives who experienced negative social ramification for the politics. They feel like their beliefs aren't welcome on our campus. And i like to just say, that's fine. Lenargan went on to say that debate should not be stiff, stifled, but dismissing, unproductive, conservative ideas can open up our opportunities for meaningful discussions. They're just being taught this. They're being taught. You can fucking just destroy anybody who doesn't think like you. And you don't have a right to have an opinion unless it's my opinion. They're fascists. That's why the whole stop fascism, Antifa, it's just projection. It's what they are. I mean, put these papers in line with that tweet. We need to topple the government so we can take it over for social re-education camps. So that's basically what he's saying. John Hopkins completely shuts down students demanding a cut tie with ice. They did a walkout and everything. John Hopkins goes, fuck you. Yeah. Faith under fire. Christian student groups go to war with higher education. University of Iowa deregistered business leaders in Christ and fall after denying a leadership position to obligate gay students who did not hold the group's Christian beliefs. University made that decision based on human rights policy, according to the Gazette. In January 2018, injunction, a federal judge gave the University of Iowa 90 days to temporarily reinstate the group as a registered student organization. Blink C held RSO status following the January 2018 ruling through Wednesday when the court ordered the university to extend the group's permanent register status. And there are three other incidents of on-campus literally not letting Christians have group. Yeah. You know why? UC Berkeley spends $2.3 million annually on diversity employee salaries. Every time we report this, they're paying millions for people to ferret out You bad conservatives, you Christians, you cis-normative pieces of shit. Because they're scared of the mob. They're just scared of the mob. The fucking LGBT social justice warrior mob has more people scared on this planet. And if that's not fascism, I don't know what is. We talk about brown shirts and all you Nazis... Oh, it's you, man. You're the fucking Nazis. You're the brown shirts. How do I know? Articles like this. Hate body odor? You're more likely to have right-wing views. They actually did a study. (laughs) Scientists suggest authoritarian attitudes may be partly rooted in biologic urge to avoid catching disease from unfamiliar people. People have a greater tendency to turn their nose up at the whiff of urine, sweat, and other body odors are more likely to be right-wing authoritarians. The study also found having a greater disgust for body odor was linked, albeit to a small degree, with support for Donald Trump. The team says the findings support the idea that a feeling of disgust might partly underpin social discrimination against others. So because you want to take a shower... You're a racist. That's their new theory. Yeah. Wow. I've been dogging my wife all week on that. Every time I get a little sweaty, you need to take a shower right now. I'll be like, you're a right winger. You're just a fucking right winger. You're a fucking racist. You know, this is like the study that said coffee gives you cancer. You can link any study to something you want to say by doing a big enough pool and cooking the books, but saying because you want to, you're, you're clean, and you don't like the smell of funky motherfuckers, you're a racist. Are you serious? Are you? Did you stretch before you wrote that? Because I don't want you to get carpal tunnel. I'm just throwing it out there, man. You can pull a muscle typing that shit because that's a bunch of bullshit. But it happens all the time. Oh my God, y'all! Bloomingdale's actually had this super evil T-shirt fake news I'm not going to put any background, I'm just going to read it Allison Caden Hey Bloomingdale, this isn't funny or fashionable It further delegitimize hard working journalists who bring real news to their communities not a t-shirt for the love of all that's holy won't someone please think of the journalist The Wrap Bloomingdale's apologizes over fake news t-shirt, pulls it from stores it's a big thing, everybody's upset Stephen Miller. You can tell journalists are very concerned about the erosion of their First Amendment when they band together to get a t-shirt banned, And that's what it was. So can men. A real journalist. The customer flanked it was a journalist. It was a journalist. Journalist at New York City CW-affiliated PIX11 who chided the company. But that never went out. And all the, oh, that's just horrible to sell that t-shirt. Mm, 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 mm. Keith Oberman, what the f is this, Bloomingdale's? And I bet if I went over, I could find it on Seltzer's feet. I bet he had it. Oh my god, Derek Hunter, this is a real exchange between two journalists and a department store. Can't imagine why Toe Jam has higher favorability rating than journalists do. Pamela Wood. Apologizing for any offense we may have caused is not a sincere apology. This is not about journalists' hurt feelings. This is about damage done to our democracy when your brand joins in perpetuating and celebrating the idea of fake news. Please try again. Well, why don't you try again? You came up with the fake news. You said everything about Hillary that was negative was fake news. Trump grabbed it and used it, and now you're butt hurt. you butt hurt. But that just doesn't stop there. Katy Perry faces criticism over shoe design resembling blackface. Of course I got this from CNN. Prada and Gucci also. Her shoes have smiley faces. That was an eye and a nose. And the pair that was online was just a black pair of shoes. Chantilly Coco. Oh, Katy Perry, explain these shoes. Blackface, Katy Perry, Gucci. Gucci, blackface, boycott. The visage on the black shoe is both style drew comparison to blackface, the racist face painting practice, and started a way for white performers to mock enslaved Africans. Another one to add to your blackface file, one person said on Twitter. Then there was the Gucci Gucci sweater that I didn't cover that you pulled up like a long turtleneck and it had red lips. That got all oh, the baklava knit top, Mike, Michelle Dasha. Who probably doesn't have a job and spends all day looking for shit to call racist? Today's Gucci release from Pacalama knit top. Sigh. Really Gucci? Really? Oh my God! It's, it's my face. face. Okay, it's a clothing. It's like a sweater. It's a pair of shoes. They don't have a face. How can you block face when you don't have a face? There's no face. It's a pair of fucking. And but God, I mean. This proves the theory that you're never woke enough, because Katy Perry wore Vote Hillary dresses. She was part of her campaign, for fuck's sake, and she's not woke enough. Not woke. Hmm. Then you have this gem. I'm an Asian woman engaged to a white man, and honestly, I'm struggling with that. Oh, God, another Asian girl-white boy couple. I groan. Dropping my fiancé's hand. He hates it when I do this, so... Do I really? I know it's unkind and self-loathing, but every time I see another couple of our racial makeup, a little part of me sinks. We live in San Francisco, so this dip is as common as the hills. In these moments, I wish we were anything else, that he were my gay best friend, or we were starting up co-founders, that he was Asian and I were white, that we were exquisitely ambiguously races, or that I could sink, like my feelings, into the sidewalk. Be a little worm and date whomever I want without considering social repercussions. Shame is neither the wisest nor most mature part of oneself, but still has a voice. Stop it, you guys. My shame wants to say to others' couples, Can't you see the more of us there are, the worse it looks? It, meaning the prevalent trend of Asian women seeming to end up with white men. It, meaning the perpetuation ...of Asian fetish. The first time I heard the term Asian fetish, I was only a Chinese kid in a tiny school. Other students in my class have been pairing up to date since 5th grade, exchanging love notes and making each other Alanis Morissette mixtapes. I waited for my jagged little pill cassette, but nothing came in 5th grade or 6th or 7th or 8th. Finally, in ninth grade, I got an email on Valentine's Day from a sporty, popular boy. The subject, don't show this to anyone. The body... A truly terrible poem asking me to be his girlfriend. Oh my God, was I, could think someone like me? Who cares if his grammar left something to be desired? I got on instant messenger and said, yes! When classmates heard the news, I learned the term Asian fetish. Friends told me he's been suffering from it for a little while now. I had only been familiar with the word fetish in regards to something like foot fetish, so I understood the implication. To be attracted to an Asian person was a kinky, odd thing. To be taught at a young age that someone like you becomes a fetish tells you that you are by nature strange, abnormal. I internalized to be attracted to me was to have some sort of perversion, and so I learned to think of all Asians as less desirable and to be be turned off by people who were turned on by me. Even as I forayed into dating this boy, I was put off by much of what he said. My friends weren't wrong about his Asian fetish. I just feel like Asian girls are deeper than other girls you know, he said to me once. I learned to think of all Asians less desirable to be turned on by people who were turned on by me. I thought it would be get better in college, but every time someone non-Asian showed interest, the whispers would start. I already had a half-Asian girlfriend in high school. He took a Japanese class last semester. You fan sushi Like, big time. Sometimes it was hard to tell... What was valid warning sign? And that was not. Misguided compliments are a pretty good indicator, though. Every white and Asian male is jealous that I'm with you, my first colleague boyfriend said. Even at the time, I remember wondering, why would you assume that I'm only desirable to white and Asian men? He assumed that, of course, because of my race. Race Race-based compliments reveal when people aren't seeing you as an individual person that you are but a piece of something. It took me a little while to figure this out, but once I became more settled in college, I met my first Asian boyfriend, who ended up being my husband. Sadly, he also became my ex-husband. This relationship was followed by another one with an Asian male. Suffice to say, I went to a decade without thought of a white man. Now it's something I think about every day because of said said fiancé. He came into my life during a period when I was sworn off, man. I... I had been in a relationship my entire adult life and just wanted to focus on myself. Single for five years, I declared my goal proudly. Eleven months later, he showed up at my door. He was there for a party I was hosting, and he didn't hit on me. He asked me questions and listened to my answers. We discovered we had gone to the same college and the exact same self-made major. We're both left-handed, love to write, don't think, don't drink, and couldn't handle spicy food. A mutual friend we both loved was sick, and we initially started blah, blah, blah. Let's move to the fucking end uh asian females and white males but also unfair portrayals of asian men throughout history and the backlash to public figures like constance Wu and Chloe kim have contended with for dating white men it's an uncomfortable conversation but we continue through the years the reason we're still together is that i know i don't have to wrestle with these discomforts by myself every past three couples in a row are white men and asian women and i ask but seriously why he won't pretend he didn't see it too he's making an effort to not leave me alone in the awkward parts of our love and I'm making an effort to not let go of his hand we're not perfect but after I rise from this little dips of shame I could wouldn't actually want either of us to be anything else
6: that article
1: says everything about you about you not Asian fetish you're a racist if you walk around all day and go ooh Black white 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 black black yeah Asian white Latino 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 white Latino black Latino Asian you got a problem and I won't read it but there was a, a rebuttal to this I dated a Democrat and I probably never will again and this article is just funny as shit If you mean, just dogging how this guy is a douche. A female man who's made to feel bad that he's a man and he's white and he's just a douche. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Seriously. What is wrong? Oh, I know. This. Feminist man thinks Anisa Sarkeesian for realizing a woman he's on a date with is not feminist enough. Also known as a story about one woman dodged a bullet feminist wreck ruined my date the other day in the best way possible a thread this is a positive promise met this woman at hinge and we hit it off she is a music teacher and i love music and the work with kids myself we seem to be getting along well i asked her out we were going to go to the nature center but this weather turned so we hit the local video arcade with some vintage games we had a good time it wasn't earth shattering, but good enough to marry a second date. We decided to get ice cream after work one day. We got our ice cream and walked around and talked about for about an hour. The pizza, the plaza we were in had a movie theater in that. We both frequently so naturally t- love TV and movies. She mentioned Frasier and I told her I often research Cheers and Frasier and that I love old shows, especially Cheers. I then began to talk about a specific episode of Cheers, my favorite episodes, which one of Sam's baseball buddies writes a book and comes out as gay in it. Sam openly supports him, and the men in the bar become concerned that the bar will become a gay bar. Diana challenged them and said the gay men come in the bar all the time, but they just don't know it. The men are adamant that they would know a gay man if they saw one. She tells me there are two gay men there, and if they can tell her who they are, she'll be quiet. The men go on and make blah, blah, whatever the fuck. Um, I'm just going to... F- Paraphrases. this basically what it comes down to they find out that she's not all into the gay shit so she's not a real feminist I'm not reading the rest of this Jesus fuck that's a guy it's a fucking guy a woman's not feminist enough for you you're a guy you're not a woman why would you care Ugh. then we had Esquire Judo Robinson what kind of garbage is this he's a journalist Esquire, media really need to stop covering the white, cisgendered, heterosexual man in America as if it's an underrepresented group. It is fucking dangerous, dangerous to cover white men. It's a picture. An American boy. Hector Wallace. Hector Vargas had the best reply on this. Show us on the doll where the article hurts you. Another guy, John Hayes. Butt hurt report date of hurtfulness time what caused the butt hurt someone posted it offensive picture on the internet was it tissue needed for the tears yes or no will you be able to move past it yes no not sure reason for filing the report i'm an idiot i'm a cryberry i'm thin skin i'm a little bitch <laughs> my mommy i felt picked on life just isn't fair no one liked my selfie today i was it wasn't my joke i'm a prude I'm better than everyone else. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And the close out... Nuggets that I found. Seth Dunn. I submit that a woman who claims to be a pastor in theology... Just as bad as a sex offender was hired as a pastor. Hold my beer, Dan Ariel says. A journalist. I submit that white Christian males... Are the US version... Of ISIS. And somebody tweeted to him the picture from season one I think when the the girl with the dragons of Game of Thrones being carried out by the slaves. How white left to see themselves after complaining about white people online. It's so true. It's so true. MISA! MISA! You fucking people large article can't read it the child victims of tinder grinder and other dating apps somebody finally did a study on this I've been waiting for it cause you know I mean age you can make that shit up how many kids have been on tinder and seen dick pics how many man we don't care Mm. mother arrested after four year old passed out at a school and tested positive for cocaine it's up north. That's just fucking terrible. Woman loses it after restaurant staff try to save a woman's life instead of serving her. I can't even read. I can't read it. I have the whole article. It's just fucking horrible. Woman was having a heart attack. Holly Jones. I will never go back to this location on New Year's Eve after the way we were treated when we spent $700 and having our meal ruined by watching a dead person being wheeled out from an overdose. My night was ruined. Every year we have come to Kilroy's to join New Year's Eve, and tonight we were screamed at and had a manager walk away from us when we were trying to figure out our bill being messed up. The manager also told us someone was dying was more important than us being there making us feel like our business didn't matter. But I guess allowing a junkie in the building to overdose on your property is more important than paying our customers who are spending a lot of money. Our waitress, when we were trying to ask about our bill being messed up, also said, what do you want me to fucking do, pay your bill for you? What a great way to talk to a paying customer. I get that working on New Year's Eve is stressful. Being a complete bitch to us all night knowing you get an automatic gratuity is not right. From Indianapolis. She's a fucking liberal. Lady was on the floor getting CPR from the manager. What the fuck is wrong with you? Positive stories. Writer sues Twitter over ban for criticizing transgender people. It's huge. That's the one... She's a feminist, but she's suing him, and I hope she wins. All she said is, men aren't women. Trans men aren't women. That, that's just the fucking truth. She's speaking her truth to power. Portland residents call 911 every 15 minutes to complain about homeless people. This article cracked me the fuck up. He put up like a tent, a big tent. So I understand why you don't want to be comfortable with that, dispatch replied, but is he doing anything else? No 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 nothing but we're losing customers okay we'll come by other ones he's taking a shit in my backyard i mean seriously what do you expect you promised free portland oregon this is what you get bro bro suck it up hundreds rally to support vaccine exemptions in washington state despite measles outbreak yeah It's a liberal thing, but weren't we blaming Trump for this? I swear to God, the media is so fucking pathetic. Yellowstone, Steamboat Geysers, gushing at a record pace, sweet God. I don't want to see Woody Harrelson right now, because we just watched 2012 this weekend. That thing blows, we're fucked. Man batters girlfriend with a burrito. I had to carry this, because we had the woman hit a man with a pork chop. Fucked him up. Now we have a burrito. Was it frozen? He just bitch slapped it with a bean burrito. I, I just don't think I could call the cops on that. I would just be laughing. You're beating me with a burrito? Satanic worship church, burnings and murder. The true story about Lords of Chaos. Call for Lords of Chaos film about suicide and Satanism to be banned. This was hailed as a great movie. I'll be watching it with the wife because she likes these kind of shit. But it sounds like it's fucking just evil as
23: shit. And people
1: have committed suicide from watching it. It's all over the net. And then finally, Noah's Ark Bible story could be proven true by ruins found in Iraq. Amazon Prime's The Bible Conspiracy claims a discovery in the Babylon province of Iraq matches the word of God. They've found a big boat. We're watching it this weekend. I've never watched The Bible Conspiracies, but we're going to check it out just because of this. So, as we go to a line of fair, I'm going to play a soundbite of an abortion doctor, talking about how there is no reason ever to have a late-term abortion. thought it was a good way to end our college crazy section, because you guys think there should be dispensers of abortion pills, and you think that it's the it's a rite of passage for a woman to get an abortion. So... Uh, it's a good place to go into our lighter Fair.
18: One of the biggest arguments of pro-abortion activists is that abortion is medically necessary. What's your position on that?
8: We hear all the time how abortion, including especially late-term abortion, is necessary to save women's lives. Nothing could be further from the truth. I spent nine years working at a tertiary medical center. I mean, there are only certain hospitals in the country that are designated to take care of the really, really high-risk pregnancies. It's, you don't want to duplicate the effort. It's expensive. So we would; these hospitals get referrals from the surrounding area. And Albany Medical Center in Albany, New York, where I worked, was one of them. I was faculty at the hospital for nine years. And I saw hundreds of cases of really severe pregnancy complications. Cancers, heart disease, intractable diabetes out of control, toxemia pregnancy out of control. And I saved, in in those nine years, I saved hundreds of women from life-threatening pregnancies. And I did that by delivering them, by ending their pregnancy by delivery, either induction of labor or cesarean section. Delivering the baby. Delivering the baby. And I always tell people, in all of those years, the numbers of the number of babies that I had to, that I was obligated to deliberately kill in the process, was zero, none. And I'll give you an example. The key point about late term abortion that so many people miss is that it takes days to prepare the cervix this is not a natural situation by any stretch if you're going to dilate a cervix sufficiently that starts off essentially as a pinpoint large enough to dismember or tear apart a baby this big that cervix has to be dilated and that can take anywhere from twenty four to seventy two hours especially when you're talking about later term pregnancies Most life-threatening situations, the vast, vast majority of life-threatening situations in pregnancy are not going to arise until 24, 25, 26 weeks of pregnancy and higher. And when you're talking about that, you're talking about abortion procedures that take two and three days to prepare the cervix. And I'll give you a classic example. This is a real case. A lady came to the hospital at 27 weeks of pregnancy with severe toxemia. Her blood pressure, you know a normal blood pressure is about 120 over 80. Her blood pressure was 220 over 160. Okay, this lady would literally be minutes or hours away from a stroke. What do you do in a situation like that? We stabilized her, brought her back, did a cesarean section, had her delivered within an hour of arriving at the hospital. She and her baby did just fine. Amazing. Now, of, now let's say we wanted to use abortion to save her life, okay? If with that kind of blood pressure and that kind of problem, if we waited two to three days to get her cervix prepared, she would never make it. She would have been dead. And that's a perfect example. You never need late-term abortion to save a woman's life. If necessary, you accomplish the delivery. Now, did every one of those children make it because they were preterm? No but they all had a chance and most of them did make it.
18: What you're saying is so amazing, Dr. Levitino, because a lot of people never hear this. They assume uh, when abortion is brought up that it's necessary to kill that child, sometimes to save the mother's life, but you're saying it may be necessary to deliver the baby, but you never have to purposely go and kill that child.
8: That's exactly what I'm saying.
18: So why is this such a a huge argument for pro-abortion advocates to say it's necessary to kill to save the life of the mother?
8: that argument I don't understand in my experience over almost a decade I never had to kill deliberately a single child to save a woman's life during pregnancy there's a wider discussion though politically always listen very carefully to the words that are being used you know we need to pass law X Y Z because it protects women's health Uh, Bill Clinton I will be happy to sign a ban on partial birth abortion so long as it includes an exception on women's health. Well, what do they mean? Now, I have a law degree, and every lawyer knows that every single word has meaning. And what Roe didn't do was define the word health. Doe versus Bolton did. It says that health, the term health, includes a woman's physical health. Okay, but it didn't say how badly impaired her physical health had to be for it to be a problem. It includes her mental health. Okay, but again, how bad does her mental health have to be? I suppose I can imagine, I never saw one, but I can imagine a case of if the woman's gonna have a psychotic break because of her pregnancy, that certainly seems like a severe mental health problem. How about she's under tremendous stress? How about, I I just don't think I can cope with this pregnancy. That's mental health, too. Mm -hmm. It includes her economic health. Whoa, how much money do you have to have to be economically healthy? Not defined. And if that wasn't enough, it includes her social health. What in blazes does that mean? What it means, then, when a politician says, I would be happy to support your bill so long as it has a health exception, translation, I would be happy to support your bill so long as it contains an exception so big that the bill is of no real practical effect. I can't understand why any woman would want to have a medical abortion and I'll explain why. Um, No matter how abortion minded she is, there are a lot of problems with RU46. In line
1: with that, it's very interesting to see that Andrew Cuomo's approval rating has dropped to the lowest it's ever been. Historically low to 43% after he passed his live birth abortion bill. So hope they vote him out. It'd be really good. Every time Jim Acosta tweets, he gets made fun of. And so for our lighter fair starting off today, I had to do this one. Jim Acosta, fact check, false. Donald J. Trump, fact checkers have become fake news. Everybody piled on. Dear Diary, the evil orange man called Fact Checkers fake news. Fact Checkers, Diary, he has no shame, no shame. Why, oh, why must he be such a big old meanie pants? And why, oh, why can I quit him? Only you truly understand me, Diary. Love, Jim. <laughs> P.S. Twitchy editors are also mean old poopy heads. P.P.S. My hair is the strongest ever. P.P.P.P.S. P.P. I ate an entire thing of raw cookie dough. Don't judge me. Smoking gun. I read this tweet in Morgan Freeman's voice. <laughs> Jim Goldsmith. Thanks for confirming his point. It's truly like Jim can't help himself. David Gleason just proved him right again. Vito Lucido. How about fact checking? Where in the hell is notorious R.B.G. What, 60 days, 50 days? Uh, nobody's seen her. I bet she's dead. And they're not going to say anything because they don't want to give up the seat. And then we have Chris Pratt. He finally got to defend himself over this. I'm going to play a soundbite that he that he said, but I, I want to read his, he put a picture up. This is all to Ellen Page uh, from last podcast. It has recently been suggested that I belong to a church which hates a certain group of people and is infamously anti-LGBTQ. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I go to a church that opens their doors to absolutely everyone. Despite what the Bible says about divorce, my church community was there for me every step of the way, never judging, just gracefully accompanying, accompanying me on my walk. They help me tremendously, offering love and support. It is what I have, been, have seen them do for others on countless occasions, regardless of sexual orientation, race, or gender. Uh, my values define who I am. We need less hate in the world, not more. I am a man who believes that everyone is entitled to love who they want, free from the judgment of their fellow man. Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another. This is what guides me in my life. He is a God of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Hate has no place in my or this world. So I'm not going to play the soundbite because it, it just talks about how he has to deal with this. Because he's in Hollywood and he swims a different direction. I think it's key to note there are churches with conversion therapy, and there are churches that ban people from attending, or not attending, but they ban them from getting married, things like that. I understand, when I was a kid, um, when I met my wife, she was Catholic, non-practicing. They only went to Sunday Mass, and I was a Christian, non-practicing. I didn't, I didn't go to church. I went to military church for a little while, but you know what? Once my parents got divorced, we stopped going to church because we moved, and you know, my father went to a very my stepfather who raised me was he went to a Bible thumping Baptist scare the hell out of you church. I mean, it was literally every week, and you're going to fucking hell. You're going to fucking hell right now. Ah, you just scared us. We stopped going because my mom knew we were just all scared, I and mean, we never seen anybody scream and yell at us. Well, one of The people from his town that went to that same church went in the army. And so I'm in Alaska, and I meet this guy, and I go, hey, um, I'm going to get married. I'd really like you to marry us because you're from this town in Oregon. He refused because we were unequally yoked. And that's part of the church, the devout. Catholicism, you can't get married unless you convert to Catholicism. If you're not Jewish, you have to convert because you're a Gentile. Muslim, every church has its dichotomy. This has nothing to do with that. There's nobody in the media, there's nobody in Hollywood that doesn't understand every religion has its religious dic- dictums that say what you can and cannot do and blah, 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 blah. Of all the religions, Christianity is the most open and allows people to come in and attend services because they walk with Jesus who hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors. Famous quotes. The healthy are not in need of a doctor. I mean, something to that effect. I don't want to pull a Nancy Pelosi right here and just make up some shit. But, you know, I remember it from reading the New Testament. I mean, that's why he did it. So, yeah, they let him in. But homosexuality is a sin to every major religion. Every. You're not supposed to lay down with a man. You're not supposed to lay down with a woman if you're the same sex. Allowing them to come and worship, allowing them to be part of the congregation, showing them love. Christianity does that. Nobody in Christianity is throwing gay people off fucking roofs. So it's so disingenuous when they attack Christians and Christian churches about this homosexuality shit when they turn a total blind eye to Islam. They they just don't even want to touch it because those are their allies. You mean fucking... Americans who are still pissed off that they killed a bunch of people at 9-11 and then killed a bunch of soldiers and then killed, 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 and all the attacks under Obama, which you notice there hasn't been a terrorist attack under Trump, knock on wood. Um, yeah, the, these, it's political. They don't like that Christians vote with Republicans. And if Christians were so bad, they wouldn't be trying to turn them. But your policies on the left are anti-religion. Majority of your candidates are anti-religion. The majority of your base is atheists that hate religion. I mean, come the fuck on. That's the the path you chose. You decided to go after the 0.7% or 0.07% of the country that's transgender instead of going about the 90% that are religious. You chose that. And then you get all butthurt and you hate, so you have to go demean everybody who goes to a fucking church. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? And why is this acceptable in our society? Why does the media allow this now? We'll talk about anti-Semitism. But we won't touch how Christians are persecuted all over this country right now by Democrats. And progressives. They're doing it in the Hall of Congress. They're doing it in committee meetings. They're doing it on the TV. They're doing it on social media. And isn't it interesting that Ellen Page can attack the fuck out of churches? And that's not against the t- term of service, even though you're not supposed to disparage people on their religion. That is in there. Oh, because I know, gay trumps everything. You can do whatever the fuck you want because you're gay, right? I mean, seriously. It's an overriding theme in all of this. I mean, from the beginning to the end, it is the attack on people other than gays, other than Muslim, other than white. Or excuse me, white. <laughs> I guess I fucked that up. White people. It's an overriding theme on the left. There's nothing worse in the world than Christian white people. To the Democratic Party, which is, I don't understand how anybody can vote for that. Like the page in Oregon's who have this shame that they're who they are. It's almost as sick as the transgender shit that you are so overwrought with. I don't like who I am that I want to be something that I'm not. It's just really kind of a sad state. But it's everywhere. An Asian. I'm dating a white guy. I'm evil. A man. I'm dating a woman who's not woke enough. A fucking t-shirt offends people. Shoes are perceived to be blackface, even though they're not faces. They're shoes. It's like a fucking mental illness. I, I, you know, I call it a religion. I truly believe that progressivism is their religion. It substitutes a higher being. It it is a a set of core values that leads their life. They have their own commandments. And within that is a New Testament that is climate change. It is just their New Testament. It's how they guide their route that, you know, everything has to be linked back to this because then we can get what we want, which is supreme rule, change of our government, change of our country, blah, 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 blah. I believe it. But I also believe it's actually a little bit of mental illness. Because all the core values of progressivism is coveting everybody for who they are, how much money they make, etc. And the only good people are people of color that are gay or transgender. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's those are the those are the priests. They are the most higher form of your intersectionality puzzle. I mean, intersectionality is like psalms and proverbs to these people. I mean, it's just really, it's a religion. It's scary. So we're going to end on two quick sound bites. Cardi B freaking the fuck out because she didn't get the love she thought she would. I'm just stuck on this lady. She keeps on coming up with my feed and it's just, wow. She had a total meltdown and then deleted her Instagram. And then somebody decided from TMZ to ask Don Lemon and he sums it up. He's a gay man. But even as a black gay man, he doesn't feel complete enough because he's not a woman gay black person. And he says we should only only be electing women because they're the smarter sex. Okay.
6: Down to uplift somebody else. That's not my style, and that's not what I'm with, and I don't support that. However, I've been taking a lot of shit today. I'm seeing a lot of bullshit today, and I saw a lot of shit last night, and I'm sick of this shit. I worked hard for my motherfucking album. I remember last year when I didn't want for Bodak Yellow, everybody was like, Cardi got snubbed, Cardi would have got snubbed. Now this year's a fucking problem. My album went two-time platinum, my nigga. And every chart that it was, my album was always top ten. Number one album as well. I fucking worked my ass off, locked myself in the studio for three months, my nigga. Then went to sleep in my own bed, sometimes for four days straight. Pregnant. Some songs couldn't even get on the fucking album because my nose was so fucking stuffy for my pregnancy. Niggas couldn't sleep. Niggas couldn't do shit. While everybody was harassing me like, you're not going to do it. We know you pregnant. Your career is over. That shit dwelling in my fucking mind when I'm working on it's not my style for
9: people. Hey, it's crazy what's going on in Virginia right now. Crazy. Yeah. Very sad. Do you think we should all be punished for stuff we did in our twenties? I know what they did is absolutely horrible. Depends should- on what it is. Depends on what it is. And
23: also, there's a different. Um, we hold we hold political leaders and public servants to different standards than actors and
9: comedians. Sure. Well, maybe not anymore. So, well, but we should. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hypothetically, if there was a democratic presidential candidate. Who was killing Trump in the polls weeks before the election? And it came out they did blackface at a party in their 20s. Would you would you be in favour of removing the probable president and replacing him with someone who might lose? I don't do hypotheticals, but if the person's black, then
23: why would it matter?
9: <laughs> hey, I like that. I like one more thing. That's hilarious. One more thing. Um, do you think at this stage, do you think at this stage, women are safer bets? You know, for running for president, just because they're less likely, probably, to have this sort of terrible stuff in their past. Women are the smartest of the sexes and women always have been, we would be a whole <laughs> lot better off if
23: women were running things, more things than the special. Hey. And I mean that.
1: Wow. Those two together just... It almost goes together like peanut butter and chocolate. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends, send comments or suggestions for segments to F O P P O D C A S D at Gmail.com. Fop Podcast Gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, Tune Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, folks. Uh, that's gonna be our new way to go forward. Um to communicate or to follow tracks or whatever you want to do. Um, it'll go through our Facebook page and you can find that by just searching FOP. Podcast, F O P P O D C A S T. Fop Podcast. If you actually are into it, it's Facebook.com backslash F O P P O D C A S T. And start following me on Twitter, which also will be our new announcement. Every time I release a face uh, a new podcast, you're gonna see that. And that is FOP Tony Reed. F O P Capitalized Tony Reed. So you can search me there at FOP Tony Reed. Our next podcast, we're going to shoot for Monday, and that is the 18th of February, year of our Lord, 2019. Uh, I'm not going to do a Sunday. i got a good weekend going on. Um, until then, enjoy the time with the other family. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. And two back in Monday for another episode. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.
26: Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Make sure to check out our webpage at
2: F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Until next time, remember it's a short ride. Make every
26: day count.